0: Good evening, everybody. Medford School Committee meeting, regular meeting, May 18th, 2020, remote meeting by Zoom at 5.30 p.m., pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12th, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, Chapter 30A, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15th, 2020 order, imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Medford School Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information in the general guidelines for remote participation and members of the public and our parties with the right and a requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time Via technological means, in the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford and Medford Community Media websites an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. The meeting can be viewed through Medford Community Media on Comcast Channel 22 and Verizon Channel 43 at 5:30 p.m. I'm I'm just making sure. Mr. Cushing, are we recording? I know Patrick just got the link. Oh, there you go. Oh, we're, we're good. Thank you. Oh, Did yeah. I start over? Did it just start recording? Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, everybody. It didn't record, so if you don't mind.
1: I have it, though. For TV, it's good.
0: It's good. Oh, great. Perfect. Okay. Um. Telephone information um, one of the phone numbers is one nine two nine two zero five six zero nine nine. 205 6099. When prompted, please enter the meeting ID of 978
2: 866
0: 8841 Additionally, questions or comments can be submitted during the meeting by emailing. Medford SC at medford.k12.ma.us. Those submitting must include the following information. Your first and last name, your Medford street address, your question or comment. Roll call vote.
3: Uh, for attendance.
0: For attendance, uh,
3: yep. Member uh, Jenny Graham. Present. Uh, Kathy Pratz. Here. Uh, Melanie McLaughlin. Yeah. Mia Mastone. Mayor Paul Rousseau. Present. Paulette Vanderclute. Present. Mayor Brianna Lungo Kern.
0: Present. Seven present. Zero absent. Please all rise to salute the flag. I
3: pledge allegiance
4: to the flag of the United, United States, States of America, America and to the
0: Republic for
5: which, stands, for which it stands, one nation under God, God indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: all. Approval of the minutes of May 4th, 2020. Motion to approve. Motion to approve by Member Kretz, seconded by Member McLaughlin. All those in favor? Aye. Those opposed? Minutes pass. Approval of bills, transfer funds, and approval of payrolls. Roll call. Roll call voted.
3: Jenny Graham? Oh, is there a motion? A motion for approval? Second.
0: Second. Seconded by Member McLaughlin.
3: Jenny Graham? Yes. Kathy Kretz? Yes. Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Stone? Mia? Yeah. Yes. Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderclute? Yes. Mayor Brianna Lungo Kern?
0: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. Um, approval of bills and transfer of funds have been approved. Report of secretary? There is none. There's none. Report of committees? Air. We have um, six committees. Oh, Com- we <laughs> yes, <laughs> six commis- p- committee reports. May fourth committee report was the committee. Of the whole meeting, May fourth, twenty twenty, and this was our pre-budget meeting from four to five thirty to discuss um, three portions of the Medford School Committee budget. Motion for approval by motion to approve. Member Graham seconded by member Kloot. All, yeah. all those in favor. Aye. M- minutes pass. We have special meeting of the Medford School Committee uh, was oh no this is I'm sorry May 7th special meeting of the. Medford School Committee to discuss go into executive session to discuss budget related and u- topics as well as. Union related issues and the d um dlp motion for approval by member well, vanderclute motion to approve. Um, second
6: the, one of the motions was uh, was um, truncated in the minutes so the motion does not include um on page three um the motion was longer than this and it
5: seems to have just been lost in the minutes
3: So can we go back and, and add it on and take it up at our next meeting?
0: Yeah, motion to approve with the addition of the rest of, if that's what you with want to do motion. To, yeah,
6: that's fine.
0: Motion to approve with the addition of the rest of that resolution. All those in favor? Aye.
5: Aye.
0: All those opposed? Minutes are approved. Um, behavioral health, special education, pupil services, subcommittee, tentative schedule for um school year 2021 member mclaughlin
7: sure um we we just posted a schedule where we will be alternating um on every uh month on the third thursday of the month typically with the exception of next year um during february because the third thursday was february vacation and um in june of this year because the third thursday was after our last day of school and those months it's the second Thursday, and we alternate topics. Um, We have a meeting this Thursday, and um, the agenda will be out tomorrow, and it is um, behavioral health-specific, although, of course, all are welcome. Um, And then also, you'll see momentarily there are minutes from our last meeting that were an addendum um, to the previous minutes. The previous minutes were very thoughtfully put together by Lisa Evangelista and they were um, practically a word by word transcript. Lisa, you're a very fast typist. Thank you very much. We appreciate your work. Um, and this, uh, these minutes are sort of a little bit more of a summary and uh, uh, topical. So that's the update.
5: Thank you.
0: Is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve? Motion to approve the update by member Second. Grant. Seconded mm-hmm. by member Kretz. All those in favor? Aye. Number four engagement communications strategic and strategic planning subcommittee meeting May June 2020 round table schedule
6: um, by member Graham. So we are working um, on a press release so that this information um, goes out to the public along with a meeting um, sorry the meeting the, the official meeting, official post, from meeting from the city. post from the city um, but um, for everyone's calendars, um, the three roundtables dedicated to Fall 2020 scenarios will occur on Wednesday, May 27th, um, Wednesday, June 3rd, and Wednesday, June 10th, from 4 to 5:30. Um, each one has its own um, particular subtopics that'll be listed out in the press release. Um, I have a copy of that. If somebody would like me to screen share right now, um, I can do that. Sure. Um, let me
0: Point of information, please. Yes, Member
7: McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, Member Graham, just, sorry, can you clarify who is doing the press
6: release and when you expect that's coming out and will we see it? So um, the superintendent's office is working on that press release. So I defer to her on the um, the details of that, but.
5: Um, we should have... Uh,
8: The press release should be ready to uh, go out tomorrow. We will post it. Um, But our first meeting is this Wednesday where we're gonna be talking about the Student Opportunity Act. So that will be our first um, round table and it will be as a committee of the whole um, round table.
7: And again, just point of information that um, member Graham, the Student Opportunity Act in terms of how the funds will be spent from the student, how the subcommittee will propose that the funds may be spent from the Student Opportunity Act. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, so I think there's sort of two different sets of roundtables. So the first is the the fall scenario working sessions. If you guys can see my screen now, you can see the schedule and the topics that we'll be covering in each of those sessions. Um, Regarding the Student Opportunity Act, we did get um, notification from DESE about A delay in the deadline. And uh, I've heard from lots of different sources that um, that money just may not materialize this year. So I would actually like to make a motion that we table this Wednesday's meeting until we have a little bit more information. We've already collected the survey data about the $138,000, but the information from the commissioner at DESE said that there's more information forthcoming about that. So in the interest of um, just how much work there is on everybody's plate, I would hate to expend energy to that only to have the whole thing canceled out.
7: So can th- I just also make another a point of information? I'm sorry, just a
6: question on that then, um, member
7: Graham is, so you don't wanna use this Wednesday then for one of the scenarios or roundtable feedbacks because maybe you're, it's too soon or you just,
6: yeah, well, I think um, we do need some time to get the right people in place to do these breakouts. and th- I think this week might be really helpful cool to not try to move forward too fast because I think there's a lot in these sessions. Um, I also think um, a little more time would help uh, folks sort of clear their schedule from 530 and be able to join us.
0: And if I may, that gives us a little bit more time than if, if the motion, actually motion to table is undebatable. So uh, is there a second for the motion to table? Second. Okay. I member Rousseau, all those in favor? Aye. Okay. So this Wednesday's um, committee, of the whole meeting on the student opportunity act is tabled until we get more guidance from DESE. Um, that has been approved. And then that gives us just another day or two to release the press release. Um, I, I did get a copy of the press release to review today. And I just want to it to come from the committee of the whole, not a, not a specific subcommittee. So we have time to talk about that. And maybe it can, once the draft is fully complete, we can send it around to the rest of the committee if there's a motion to, to do that before the press release comes out.
7: I make a motion to share the press release with the rest of the committee.
0: Seconded by. Seconded. By Member Kretz. All those in favor. I have a question. Uh, before the
9: roll, ro- before it's ro- called, question Member Rousseau. Um, I, I'm perfectly fine with this as long as the members understand we can receive it, but we can't discuss it or reply or anything. Correct. Thank you.
0: So motion to approve by member McLaughlin, seconded by member Kratz, all those in favor. Aye. Aye. Motion is approved. Uh, committee will review the press release once it's complete.
6: Um, and that's, uh, that. so that's the full schedule. Um, the, so the first round table being on um, May 27th upcoming. That'll be focused on our set of um, fall scenarios. There's three or four of them that we'll be talking through and we'll have, we'll use the breakout rooms to um, allow for conversation about um, on the 27th, uh, four topics, what's working well or not today, um, technology needs um, in our various scenarios, our school day model for before and after, uh, like for things like before and after school. Um, and athletics ex- extracurricular PTO activities. So those are the four topics we'll be roundtabling about on 527. Um, we'll actually hopefully have a chance for people to rotate to more than one topic, and there will be sharing out once, um, the, once the breakout groups are done.
7: Another point of information, if I may, Madam Mayor? Yes, Member McLaughlin. Um, Will these be recorded for folks who aren't able to attend the various sessions that we can have? uh, The community will be able to check in on them and get more information. Um, I know that they're virtual so I'm not sure what the capacity is from um, Patrick and Medford Community Media's perspective, but it would be helpful if there was some point of reference for folks who can't attend especially since we really want the community to be able to be involved and engaged.
0: Patrick, are you there? Can, do you know if the round tables and when we go out to breakout rooms, how those are recorded?
1: Uh, this far, I haven't recorded any of the breakout rooms, but as long as I'm invited to one of the zoom sessions, I can record. It.
3: I have a question. Member Vanderclute. I'd like to know how, uh, since there are breakout rooms, how we're going to uh, subdivide the school committee members into those breakout rooms. Um, so. Um, and who's going to be uh, responsible for for that? Do we express our interests? Do we?
6: Um, in, the, um, in the planning meeting, we talked about each breakout room needing both a facilitator and somebody who can take live notes. So I understand that those two roles are not necessarily roles we may all want. Um, so I do think there is some planning to do to figure out like where do we all plug in can play what role um and uh where gaps exist so that if we need to ask other members of um the administration or whatnot to to help us out with administrative roles that we can do that so I'm happy to be the collector of what people are willing to do to share it with Dr. Edward Vincent I'm also happy to let somebody else you know do that if the if Dr. Edward Vincent you feel like your team is better suited to do that.
8: So we we definitely have the administrative team um, is ready and eager to be involved in the um, planning sessions. And so um, I'm scheduled to meet with them again tomorrow so we can talk about um, divvying up to have enough people in each group so that someone could be a recorder, someone can help facilitate the particular sessions that are taking place and, um, you know, be involved, actively involved uh in the round tables. So we can also um meet after this meeting to just, you know, update you in terms of where we're at regarding that.
0: Great. Great. So we'll start those meetings next Wednesday at four o'clock um, and any logistics we can work on over the next couple of days. That's great. Uh, motion for approval of motion of approval. Update. Uh, by member Vindiclute, seconded by member Graham. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Motion, update is approved. Special meeting um, May 14th, 2020. This committee of the whole meeting was to discuss additional union matters as well as the approval of the district learning plan. um, From May 14 2020 we were in executive session for about three hours and then we reported out I think four resolutions front onto the floor. um, That had to do with the DLP and Union 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 matters motion Motion for for approval. approval of the meeting seconded by Member Kretz all those in favor. Aye motion is, papers approved. Rules, policy and equity subcommittee meeting, March 3rd, 2020 policy review policy.
9: Paul, member Russo. Thank you. Um, So on um, March 3rd, which seems like a thousand years ago, (laughs) uh, the policy rules and equity subcommittee met and um, provided a recommendation for a new policy for the school committee um, or the school system, I should say. Um, I'd like to thank the superintendent and her staff for participating in this meeting and also to my fellow school committee members, subcommittee members Melanie McLaughlin McLaughlin and Jenny Graham for their work Um, The recommendation that is was approved unanimously by the subcommittee is definitely better than the first draft and I'm grateful for their assistance and and work in getting this to be um, a good first draft a first policy Um, I always expect that New policies should probably get uh, another look pretty quickly after going into effect so that um, anything we didn't really anticipate can be uh, corrected. Um, This new policy will provide a standardized format for all of our policies going forward. It lays out how and when they'll be reviewed uh, to ensure that our policies are up to date and we don't end up with policies that are Shall we say (laughs) an antiquated. Are there any questions on the policy from the members?
0: Motion to approve. Motion to approve by member Vandekulu, seconded by member Graham. All those in favor? Aye. Motion's approved. Thank you. Number six, community participation.
5: I believe we had
8: we have um charlene douglas uh the president of the teachers union who would like to uh share some remarks this evening
0: okay before thank you miss um, douglas before you um speak just let me read this questions or comments can be submitted during the meeting by emailing medford sc at medford.k12.ma.us the, those submitting must include the following information um, your first and last name, your Method Street address, your question or comment. Thank you. You have the floor, Ms. Douglas.
5: Okay.
10: Okay. Hello, oh, everyone. Mm-hmm. Ms. Myers, members of the Method School Committee, Superintendent Dr. Edward Vincent, citizens of the Method community. As the elected voice of the Method Teachers Association, I want to thank those school committee members who supported the district learning plan. I also want to thank the school committee members who shared a personal note with me regarding why they voted no on the district learning plan prior to sending it um, to their with their larger networks sharing it. <clears throat> we, the teachers of Method, appreciate your concerns with the importance of professional development and. Using remote learning as a tool. We agree that teachers, that this should happen, and it's not too late for this to happen. We, the teachers, want quality PD, and we want to work on this goal with you. Again, it's not too late for this to happen since we all know schools will not look the same in the fall of 2020. Just for a point of reference, there were links to professional development in the district learning plan that are provided by DESE for remote training. These were included in both the first and the second DLP. Second, we too want parent involvement, but we want to hear their voices and concerns. While it's obvious to all parties that they cannot be an actual at the negotiation table, we the MTA realize that they too need consistent communication and information about what remote remote learning should look like for their children. Surveying our parents is one way to do this. However, as we have seen in a number of surveys conducted with parents, it's usually between 30 and 40% that participate. We the teachers want to figure out alternate ways to reach the 60 to 70% of our families we do not hear from. We ask that you collaborate with us on an innovative ways to reach all of the students at the Method Public Schools. At this time, I want to take a little trip down memory lane as to what has happened, actually happened since we closed schools on March 12th, 2020. March 12th, it was voted to close the schools that day for two weeks. As teachers, we asked for the 13th as a day to get whatever was needed to prepare for moral learning for the next two weeks of school closure. During this time, We are working on enrichment and focusing on social emotional needs for our students, who, with very little notice, would now be learning from home. March twenty third, Governor Charlie Baker closed the schools until May fourth. March twenty fourth, Desi came out with remote learning instructions that schools reinforce skills taught this school year and focus on applying and deepening these skills. We collaborated with administration and follows DESE's guideline to develop our first DLP. We use DESE's guidance that school remote learning plans should replicate the Lexington school plan. We presented this in open session to you, our elected officials on March 30th, asking for discussion and questions. You, the school committee approved this plan and it was instituted on April 1st. April 21st, Governor Charlie Baker closed the schools for the remainder of the school year. April 25th, the Department of Elementary Secondary Education released its guidelines for the next phase of school closure beginning May 4th, stating that the primary goal for the remainder of the 2019 school year is to move all students toward consistent engagement in remote learning with the focus on connectedness and on, and on prerequisite content standards for success provided by DESE, on April 24th, 2020, that will be critical for the next success into success into the next grade. MTA and administration a collaboratively worked to develop the second version of the DLP, the district learning plan that was ready and shared with you at a meeting on May 4th. May 4th, second DLP shared with school committee. During the school committee, discussion about the plan held in executive session. Plan was tabled in executive session. To clarify, as the voice of the MTA, I was available to answer any questions in the general Zoom meeting. Later, we learned that the committee needed time to read the document as they were reviewing budgetary concerns at the time. May 6th, I wrote a correspondence to everyone asking for you, the school committee, to reach out to the MTA with your questions. In this correspondence, I wrote, I look forward to working with each and every one of you as we navigate these our waters. Please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions. I look forward to implementing the changes on the new DLP so that during the next five weeks, we can continue to let our students know that we are there for them and that they will succeed. The community of Method will prevail, be stronger and unified in our efforts to meet the social emotional learning needs. Prior to the next school committee meeting, no one reached out to me regarding questions about the DLP. I was perplexed and I am perplexed as to why, if you did have concerns, why you did not reach out to me. May 7th, the second DLP, previously shared with the school committee discussion about the plan held in executive session. I was again available in the general meeting for any clarifications needed. After the May 7th meeting, once again, MTA and administration met to answer your questions and and address the changes you asked for. During these sessions, we work collaboratively to ensure that we as members of the Method Public Schools are meeting the needs of all our students, all our teachers and staff. May 14th, district learning plan passes four to three with a 4-3 vote. On May 15th, on Friday, the MTA convened the membership to discuss the DLP and the MOA. The teachers met from 2.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. to discuss these documents. We share what this would look like over the next four weeks of instructions. During the meeting, we shared our questions, concerns, and problem-solvings we have undertaken together. One thing that rang out loud and clear that teachers are receiving many thanks from students, from wine baskets, to gifts, to gift cards, to thank you notes, that was loud and clear. So we think we know that teachers are working hard. We talked about issues, broadband, connected connectivity, and issues devices, and issues for all teachers. Google Chromebooks having limited capabilities, examples, white books, whiteboards unavailable and unable to use a stylus to write in a Chromebook. Resolutions, teachers increasing their broadband at a cost to them. Those that can afford to are purchasing technology to meet the needs of the students they service. Issues, synchronous learning, average participation is at a low of 25 and a high of 60% which varies between grade levels. Concern with students only accessing asynchronous learning. Specialists, they were concerned who service between 300 to 500 students with only 18 days left of instruction. How are they gonna meet those needs of those students? Zoom has limited access to the number of participants a specialist can meet at one time. I could list many other points discussed at the MTA meeting. But that is a discussion that I look forward to having at another time. On June 15th, this DLP will end. There are many issues and concern regarding what school will look like when we return in the fall of 2020. We need to collaborate, we need to work together, share the responsibility and not look to blame who is doing what is right or wrong from our own personal view. We need to address technology for all. We should not accept that some students because of their social economic status, will not be able to access remote learning as it is now. We need to address the needs of our teachers who have young children at home, struggling to balance parent teaching, homeschooling, and various family responsibilities. We need to address the social emotional needs of all members of the Memphis community. Thus I ask tonight that we work together through our new reality of teaching in a remote world. Together we will face the budget challenges and. Together we will face the budget challenges and not allow our students to become sacrificial lambs. I ask that we fight together asking for your support on the HERO Act before the Senate. We have heard from the federal government that we should consider filing bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is not an option. Cuts to our school system is not an option. More than ever, our students will need the necessary services we provide For them as a community of learners. As a community, we must stand, we must support each other, we must fight together. When we fight together, we win. United as one, we will all get through this. Thank Thank you.
0: We have a few teachers on here.
11: Just a few. Just a few.
0: Wow, record.
11: Oh, we get some kiddos, too. That's wonderful. No. Thank you, Ms. Douglas.
0: Thank you for your comments.
5: It was, a, it,
0: it was a tough vote, um, but we really appreciate um, your comments, and we want to continue to collaborate with the teachers' union. And every union, for, for that matter, going forward, so we can give the, the best to our um, administration, our employees, teachers, and our students. So, thank you for your comments.
10: Thank you. Um, I thank you for listening. And I and I really want to work together, and I look forward to that. I look forward to being at those roundtable discussions. Teachers want to be there, as you can see tonight. There are many teachers here. Yes. yes. Um, can even. There are so many teachers here. They want to do what's best for students. I could have went on and on telling you how many teachers have used their own money, bought, up, bought materials, they went, because they didn't have anything. We couldn't even get back into the buildings. You know, there was so much going on. We were, we were tossed into a fire and we were given, we were tossed into a, a, a bonfire and we were given a glass of
0: water to put it out. Mm-hmm. Mayor, we- um, mm-hmm. Member McLaughlin I, and then I Member Kloot.
7: Thank you, Ms. Douglas um, for that inspiration that was really moving. And we know, um, I just wanted to say that um, just to the teachers out there and to the families out there and to everyone out there, you know just how hard this has been for everybody. I think if we step back for a minute and look, it's been what seven weeks since the whole world was turned upside down for all of us, right? We have uh, international pandemic. the The economy's been shut down. Our schools have been shut down. We're living this every single day, and the social emotional needs of our families and our teachers and our uh, administrators is real when we're living it on a daily basis. I've talked to a number of teachers. I've talked to a number of students, and. You know, we have teachers who are driving packets to um, kids' homes and dropping them off on the porch or going to, you know, kids' homes and having, you know, preschoolers or uh, kindergartners come outside to see their teachers at a safe distance just so that they can wave hello to them so that they can feel connected. Um, teachers that are having children who are out of district children coming into their Zoom meetings just to make sure that they feel a sense of community in our in our community and a sense of belonging. I think that it's been really remarkable um, to see how people are pulling together. And I'm trying to really focus on the helpers and being a helper and, you know, being positive about this and working together. So I appreciate your message of collaboration. I think it's really critical at this time that we do consider a message of collaboration. I also think, you know, I would like to really sort of just put out there that I would like people to consider um, the dangers of social media and things that can happen on social media where things get don't get taken back. People put things out and they don't get taken back. And uh, we have to remember that. These are tough times. We're all stressed out. We're all sort of dealing with our levels of stress but I think that um, it's people look to us to be the responsible leaders in the community and the adults in the community so I want to please remind people uh, to keep that in mind with social media and um, to work together and to practice kindness really and to appreciate your teachers I know that CCSR is running a project right now uh, to send a thank you to your teachers Um, I say thank goodness for our CCSR group always focused on the social emotional well-being of our community I think they're critical Um, and I want to thank them as well. And also just, uh, want to remind people when, when your leaders, when your community leaders might not be able to respond to you, there, there are a number of reasons as Ms. Douglas was saying, certainly about, um, being able to respond or be part of negotiations, union negotiations. Um, there's a lot of, uh, legal, uh, issues around education and reasons that we can't, speak, uh, whether they're executive committee or a number of things. So while that's hard for constituents to hear and for people to hear, they should know that um, and know that we care. And we're not necessarily not speaking out because we don't. We care very much. Um, And family and and community engagement is a huge priority to me. Our teachers are a huge priority to me. Professional development is very important um, and something that I talked a lot about when I wanted to be in this office uh, for those reasons. So thank you very much. And for everyone that's on here, I hope that um, we can practice kindness with each other and look how we co- look towards collaboration and, and improving our system for all of our kids. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. I see a few hands, Member Van Vandeklue, Member Kratz, Member Graham.
3: Thank you. Uh, Charlene, I just want to add my voice of thanks for your inspirational speech and also for your reminder of the timeline. I think one of the most important things that you mentioned was also the uh, costs that teachers have incurred for things like whiteboards are improving their uh, internet access. So I thank um, all of our teachers for their hard work, uh, at you for your leadership, and um, thank you for, this has been an incredibly uh, difficult and um, obviously unprecedented time, uh, so that we're, we're very grateful to our teachers. And I've talked to many parents who are uh, very, um, uh, while it's not been, uh, whether, while they would prefer that, uh, of course, as we all would, that their kids had that wonderful in-person experience, that our teachers are working um, hard uh, as much as possible, um, and some have been truly just exceptional. Um, and so we thank you for that. And we thank you for your leadership. And I do echo the words of my colleague, Melanie, who said everything very well, but there are times when it's a little bit tough because there isn't one person on the, uh, school committee who doesn't want parent engagement. And sometimes it's difficult when we have executive session, uh, to not be able to come out and explain yourself. Um, so, uh, I just want you to know that, um, we're in it together and, uh, that is the way um that we i perceive that we are going forth and want to work as a team thank you
5: all right
10: thank you very much thank you for your support so thank you melanie
3: member Mm
4: kratz Hi. Okay. Uh, hi. Thank you, Miss Douglas, for your comments. I really appreciate it. I ditto everything that Melanie McLaughlin said, everything that Paulette Brindigloup said. And I also want to thank all the teachers um, who are educating our students during this very difficult time. Um, I can't imagine what you're going through and, you know, uh, teaching remotely for the very first time. It's never, ever happened. And I think as a district, I think, you know, we're We've moved along consistently, as you detailed in the timeline, um, right since the closure up until this point. And um, I think it was mentioned in the other meetings that some districts are beginning to work on their distance learning plans now. And we're already we already did the amendments for our distance learning plan. So I look forward to joining everybody at the roundtable meetings in the upcoming weeks, and we can talk about plans for the September. And just thank you all, everybody, for everything you're doing, and and thank you. We're all being here.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: Thank Thank you, you. Uh, Member Graham.
6: Thanks, Charlene. I think one of the things that um, we talked about uh, even back before the election happened, when we had Labor Night, and you guys asked us some like really awesome questions, was around how we negotiate. And I think one of the things that um, I thought then, and I still think is that we will negotiate best when we're, um, all at the table together, bouncing those ideas off of each other, because what strikes me as super important may not strike somebody else as important, but in the end, all of it's important. So I am excited to collaborate and figure out how we can think differently about these negotiations, um, so that we can Get a better product than even we're able to get in our current model of negotiation. So I think there's tremendous opportunity to innovate, just like you said, and I'm really excited to do that with you. Thank you, Jenny. And I
10: too am excited to do that. You know, there is a process that's called open negotiations and a
5: very interesting <laughs> process to explore. <laughs> Thanks, Charlene. You're welcome. So I just wanna weigh in and just say thank you. Um, Thank you for your remarks
8: this evening, uh, President Douglas, and um, thank you to all the teachers who are on this evening. Um, We appreciate the work that you're doing uh, during this COVID uh, crisis, school closure. And um, we know that it's very difficult for everyone, but we're gonna continue to work together as a team. And um, You know, I look forward to continuing the work that we're doing. So I just wanted to weigh in and uh, again, say thank you for your remarks and we'll continue to do the work that needs to be done. Thank you to all of you who are on this evening.
0: I think we have two comments from the public on this. Member Russo, did you get two emails from the public on this?
9: I did. Um, I wish we had a better segue, um, but I'm just simply reading the comments. So forgive me on this.
0: Is it a different Um, topic?
9: It is a a rather distance learning plan. Um, Okay, and there's no item on the agenda for me to attach it to at that point. So I I have to read them now But before I read those I just want to say thank you to everybody I I I like the analogy of being thrown into a fire with a glass of water. I think that uh, Analogy was so (laughs) spot-on and um, You know in our last meeting um, I also motioned that the school committee will be providing explicit authorization around all negotiations going forward and the goal there is that we will really make sure that the school committee is at the table Um, i think that one of the challenges is that we're often presented with something and it's already baked Um, and um in that that's just the way it has worked and it's not a criticism of anybody but um, if we decide we don't like what was in the bread there's no unbaking bread so um, i think that uh, getting us in the mix earlier whether it's open negotiations or interest-based bargaining or whatever other methodology uh, it is that we could employ um, is a great thing i think would benefit everybody um, and as miss member graham mentioned about our um, the, the the pre-election uh, event that was set up um, by the mta and i believe another group as well, um, you know, that was that was very loud and clear in that. And um, I look forward to having a more open negotiation going forward, but I'm gonna move on to the two. I'm reading these because I'm designated to read these during this meeting, these are not from me. Uh, these would be as if somebody else walked up to the podium in our regular meetings. Um, there are two emails. Um, one is from Jamie Taylor at 47 Burnside, Burnside Street in Medford. Um, And it is a DLP question. Now that all teachers have to have two live classes a week or families consulted at all, families with multiple multiple children now have their routines uprooted for the last four weeks of school. So whatever was working before has to change. What about the kids who were stressed out by the thought of a face-to-face meeting before and were told that they didn't have to attend and now all all of a sudden they are supposed to Adding in stress during this time seems very unfair to our students. We have already had parents emailing saying their kids are stressed because now attendance is being taken. What are we supposed to say to their to these families' concerns? What about the parents who don't feel comfortable with their children being on something like a Google Meet? What do we tell them? So this is community participation, so I'm reading that into the record. There's not an expectation of any kind of response, but I just wanted that to be in there. Um, And the second email is from uh, Marwa Darwish um, at 5 Cabot Road, Medford. Um, I am hoping that you can address the option of continuing virtual learning for high school students for fall 2020 or at least provide it as an option for select students. Some students have family members who live with them and who are in the high-risk group for COVID-19. Some of these families live in small apartments and it is impossible to isolate these vulnerable family members to protect them against COVID-19. It is not right to make a student choose between his academic career and the safety of his family. Please consider this option. Thank you. Um, So I I will reply for the committee and mention that both of these are emails that probably should be also sent to the info website where this stuff is being um, collated, but it did come to this school committee email address for the purposes of community participation
0: thank you if, from the chair if I just make comment on the second email that was going to be an issue that I was going to bring to the round table next week with regards to parents who do not want to send their children to school in the fall what are we going to do um, to accommodate so I, I hear that loud and clear
7: um, mayor?
0: mayor yes Lisa
7: I'm sorry oh, um, Rousseau, I don't know the name of the five Cabot Road um emailer
9: I just emailed them to you
7: well, need to, excuse me point of clarification do we need to make a motion that those are moved to the round tables or to the um um community engagement subcommittee did you email me is that
9: what you said yeah i just emailed them to you sorry all
7: right thank you sorry so i make a motion that those um that because for folks who don't know um why we can't discuss it now just again it's not on the agenda so we're not able to discuss items that aren't on the agenda um unless they're there are some extenuating circumstances. So I'm making a motion that these comments be moved to the um, Community Engagement Subcommittee, which is the host subcommittee for the roundtables.
0: Okay, motion on the floor, seconded by Member Vandeklude. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Those emails will be moved to the roundtable discussion next Wednesday. Um, and Ms. Ms. Douglas, if you would like your comments in the record, you could e- email them to. M- Um, Ms. Evangelista? Okay, thank you. Member Graham? Um,
6: Can I also ask that those emails be shared to the info um, mailbox so that we don't wait for the roundtable to get answers back to these folks who had these questions? Um, So we can use them in the roundtable to kind of inform next year, but I don't want these folks to not get answers to these questions um, to the best that we have them right now.
7: Um, just to that end, uh, member Graham point of, um, information, or maybe it's in a motion that you want to consider is, uh, that the info also emails, um, would be shared with the school committee. So there has been an info at Medford schools, email set up for families to email the schools. Um, and that was part of the fact sheet. That was part of, um, what we had wanted, uh, to be included the fact sheet and also on the website and other places that folks can email. Um, I'm assuming that that. Inbox has been getting emails and so um, I'd like to make a motion that those emails are shared with school committee members and that they are part of the roundtable and are referred to the uh, Community Engagement Subcommittee. Do we need to split the motion.
0: No, that could be one motion Um, motion by member is that doable, Dr. Edward Vincent. I don't know how many of they are. I don't know how long they've been coming in.
8: Because the emails are on different topics, but what we can do is go through and pull the emails that were specific to what's going to be coming with the um, roundtables. Because we didn't want to continue to keep making multiple uh, email accounts. So the emails that are coming in relative to um, roundtable events, we definitely can share uh, widely with the school committee group.
7: Thank you. Is, can
0: we get a second second by member Graham, all those in favor? Aye. All those opposed. Okay. Motion passes. Is there any, any other emails,
9: Mr. Russo? Um, one second. Let me double check. That is it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, if, is there any other community participation? Hearing and seeing none move on to. Number seven, report of the superintendent, superintendent's updates and comments. Oh, hold on one second. Um, Let me unmute you. Can you unmute yourself? It's not allowing me. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone.
8: As all of you are aware, during this pandemic, five families within our district have suffered devastating losses due to house fires last week. A fire is a terrible thing to happen to anyone, but during this crisis, it is so much worse. The American Red Cross has been available to our families, but virtually or by phone. This is traumatic in and of itself as the Red Cross prides itself on being on site at a disaster or fire scene to directly provide those affected with counsel and care. The families have students in our school system from our MEEP Preschool Program to 10th grade. As a district, we have reached out to the families and I know the mayor's office has well, has reached out. The Board of Health was able to provide some assistance regarding potential housing options for the families in need. I know that members of the school committee have been actively involved in trying to assist these families as well, including members, Ms. Stone and McLaughlin. The Medford Family Network has been a wonderful resource providing families with needed basic necessities, toys and Target gift cards. Additionally, we are aware that there are a number of fundraisers listed for all of the families on social media. I strongly suggest that you go visit those. We extend our thoughts and prayers to our families and we are grateful that no one's life was lost. I would like to thank Sophie from the Board of Health for her ongoing support to all impacted families. I'd like to thank City Councilor George Scarpelli for his support in working with the Hyatt Hotel. We'd like to thank the Hyatt Hotel for their collaboration with the City of Medford during this difficult time. We would also like to thank our fire and police departments, as well as Armstrong Ambulance, for always going above and beyond for all of us, and most especially during this COVID crisis. Today, uh, just shifting gears, uh, today is Haitian Flag Day. And in Medford, there is a very large uh, representative Haitian community there, especially at our high school. And last year, the students presented to the entire, uh, they did two sessions for the high school community celebrating their Haitian pride. Um, And I received an email over the weekend where the students were going to be doing a video to share more broadly with the community but due to the COVID closure, they were unable to do what they had hoped to do at the high school in celebration of Haitian Flag Day. So, uh, Haitian Flag Day is a day of celebration and what it represents on the Haitian flag, it says, l'union fait la force. And what that means is, with unity, there is strength. That's on the coat of arms, which is on the Haitian flag. This is a guiding principle of Haitian beliefs, and it guides me daily as well, where my ethnic background is of Haitian descent. As you know, I speak often of one Medford and one district that together we are strong and divided we fall. This definitely stems from my Haitian upbringing that together we can accomplish so much. Haitians are a proud people. We are also fighters. We fight for what is right and just. We are passionate people who have a strong faith. We believe strongly in our community. There is a Haitian proverb or a saying that says, shita pa bay." what that means is, Sitting doesn't yield. It means one has to work in order to receive. In 1803, Haiti revolted from the French. It proudly raised the flag in 1804. It was the first country in Latin America or the Caribbean to gain its independence. And it was the only successful slave revolt in human history that resulted in the formation of a country. Haiti became the world's first black republic, which extended the rights of liberty, brotherhood, and equality to black people. At that time in 1803, that was not existing in the United States or in France. It was the first country to also provide unqualified equality for all of its citizens regardless of race. This is what we celebrate today. So although the Haitian Flag Day celebration was not able to take place at Medford High School, on behalf of the members of the community that are of Haitian descent who wanted to share this culture um, with the entire broader community, I just wanted to make those remarks. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I, I do wanna give you an update on one of our students Albert Farah class of 2020, um, another Mustang that we should be very, very, very proud of. I want to say that Albert Farah, he placed second in the Massachusetts state science and engineering fair, which was held virtually this year. In addition to this prize, Albert also received the 2020 United States air force award. He's been a standout science student and participated in the last four Massachusetts science and engineering fairs. Last year, Albert was selected to participate in the International Science and Engineering Fair. He will attend UMass Lowell next year to study mechanical engineering. Albert attended the Brooks Elementary School and the McGlynn Middle School prior to Medford High School. I wanna extend a huge congratulations to Albert on his incredible achievements. And I'm sorry we're not meeting in person, but we definitely will have um, some certificates to recognize your great accomplishments. In case any of our families missed the sixth grade open houses which just took place, both of those presentations are available for your viewing on the blog. From a technology perspective, I just wanted to update everyone that after our third technology Chromebook disbursement. Medford Public Schools has distributed 760 Chromebooks during this COVID school closure. I'd like to thank Molly Layden for her leadership in coordinating that work. And lastly, again, I just wanna thank you. um, And I'm pleased that we do have our DLP in place and that we will continue to work collaboratively with um, all parties, administration, and um, the teachers in continuing to serve the full community of Medford. I thank you all this evening.
0: Thank you. Member McLaughlin.
7: Thank you. Um, Thank you, Superintendent Edward Vincent and happy Haitian Flag Day uh, to everybody. And I just um, wanted to mention that in addition to the superintendent's announcements regarding um, uh a number of things that uh the school supplies are coming this Friday right Su- uh, uh, superintendent Ed robinson at the grab and go um so maybe like, would you just speak to that for one moment if you don't mind
8: so um additionally with all of the donations which we mentioned a few meetings back um I'm very appreciative of the do- donation from the Cummings Foundation where um the PTOs collaborated together, Um, uh, $1,000 was given, additional school supplies were purchased for our students. So at all of the grab and go locations, if people are going to those locations to pick up food, um, this coming Friday, they will also have school supplies available. So if you need to replenish school supplies um, and you go to the grab and go locations, you will be able to pick up additional school supplies And um member McLaughlin, if I could just ask you, could I know the McGlynn School is one location. Um, I believe on Forest Street at the um YMCA, the rec center, is another location, but could you please say the other locations? I didn't sure
7: there's Heinz Square. Um they're on the city's website, um on the City of Medford's website for the grab and go. I don't have them all right in front of me, but I know that um Haynes Square, sorry, um there's one, there's one at the McGlyn, there's one at the rec center. And I know that there are many teachers on here who wanted to let um, their students know about the supplies, which is why we brought it up. But all of the grab and go supply sites are on the homepage of the uh, Medford City website.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Motion to receive the superintendent's updates and comments and place on file. Motion by member Rousseau, seconded by member Vandekloot. All those in favor? Yes. Great. Number two, report on COVID nineteen update, Miss Tony Ray.
11: Okay. Good evening. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Okay. Good. Um, so the, the number of cases in Massachusetts um, are continue to plateau. We have eighty seven thousand cases. Um, we see two positive trends according to the Department of Public Health. The first is that the percentage of ho- patient hospitalizations has decreased. We are now at about And secondly, the number of deaths daily is decreasing. So those are two positive um, trends. In Medford, we have 881 positive cases. That's only an increase of two from yesterday. Again, another positive trend. The medical community has recently recognized the pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome. With nine cases occurring in Massachusetts, this may be linked to the COVID virus. Um, it is an, a systemic inflammatory response that the, the child's body experiences in um, to the virus, um, and some usually causing serious illness um, for children. Thankfully, there are few cases of it, um, and as of Um, Yesterday, um, the Department of Public Health is requiring physicians to to report all suspected cases so that they can begin um, more in-depth tracing of this um, response. Today, um, I'm sure everybody is aware, Governor Baker um, announced his phased reopening of the Commonwealth. Um, We have entered phase one of four. Each phase is expected to last three weeks as long as the public health data um, trends are, are um, in going in a positive direction. You can access all of this information at www.mass.gov backslash reopening. And phase one is con- considered a safer at home. So while some businesses are and restrictions are being opened up, it is still considered uh, safer at home for our citizens. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Ray.
0: Motion to um, continue. If there's no questions, we have number three report on senior class of 2020 events by Mr. Paul Deleva and Dr. Peter J. Cushing.
12: So I'm gonna ask if Dr. Cushin could uh, share my screen, give me the permission to share the screen because I have a couple things to show. Good Um, to go. While we're doing that, um, I do want to kind of acknowledge uh, some people. Um, When this was all coming about, we know that uh, families were very concerned regarding um, the possibility of us canceling uh, graduation and prom um, that was never our intent as, as we've had meetings to have this discussion. Um, what we have moved forward to is thinking about what students would want as well as what is safely, um, you know, a way to kind of have everyone in an area safely so no one is also endangering themselves. Um, I'd like to just acknowledge the people that are here and, and they can also fill in anything if uh, you ask them. Um, first, we'd like to thank assistant, uh, senior assistant principal, Mr. David Blauk, uh, Mr. Chad Fallon, the principal director of the vocational school, Ms. Lisa Kingsley, the principal of the Curtis Tufts school. Uh, we have Ms. Nancy Donlin and Mr. Joe Donlin, the senior class advisors, uh, Ms. Evangelista, the district PR officer. And we also have our two uh, school committee reps who are also officers uh, for the senior class who are part of this discussion. So in a lot of things that, that had come about um, for review, we've sort of come up with a plan of how to pick things up um, as well as what we could do to do sort of a parade. And again, we're just getting new information now about gatherings. So you know, when we had planned things, we were talking about doing an August ceremony Um, and as well as having a senior prom in the gymnasium uh, during the November break of fall. Um, Just so you're aware, we surveyed our students, uh, got about 161 responses, and a lot of this was based on questions that we asked them that we developed uh, with their input of when they would like to do something, what they would like to do. I will say that um, overwhelmingly we heard from our students that they were looking for more of a live uh, event than having a, um, a virtual event. So that's why our planning kind of went down this direction. Uh, just to talk a little bit about the senior parade, we had many discussions about uh, equity in a sense because not everybody has a car. So at first it was a good thought to have the seniors part of the parade route, but you know, not again, We talked about MBTA buses. We talked about students not having cars. We talked about families being in charge of that and uh, the management would be um, very difficult. So in reversing things, I know our plan would be to sort of do the similar parades that the elementaries have done, but we would have sort of a parade route where uh, family or students of graduates can go to their main street. Uh, in their caps and gowns, and we could um, definitely celebrate them with staff members uh, as well to do our initial, which would lead up into the August um, ceremony. And again, with the August ceremony, there's talks of, you know, how do we limit? Because realities, it would be at Hormel, um, you know, back into an older way that we have done graduation in the past. Uh, we would obviously have to separate separate chairs a good distance. And we might have to limit uh, family members uh, attending. Um, normally, we use the Ganttra Center because it holds so many uh, families, but in this day and age, you know, in this time, it, we want to be sure that everyone's safe. Um, a few other things, like in the beginning of the year, we were talking about June 2nd and June 3rd of doing a cap and gown distribution, but not even just the cap and gown distribution. There's a lot of things that the senior students need. Um, health records. We need uh, materials back, such as books, things of this nature. So these, actually the seniors would be sort of a, a testing ground for us so that we can also figure out how we can do the underclassmen as well. So if we start with seniors first, and as soon as we get that figured out, we go from there. And then the next piece is the prom. You know, it's it's very difficult, and I can have the advisors speak to it. I was an advisor in 2005, when you plan a prom, you really have to do things year like a year in advance. Um, just even putting the deposit down in the hall. I think with this um, pandemic, you know you're going to see a lot of weddings that have been rescheduled and things of that nature. It may be very difficult to get the hall um, that we would like to have. So the discussion was um, using the gymnasium as a host, you know, uh, prom area because we do want to make sure that. Uh, students get what they deserve. So I could go back to the other document. I'm sure you had it. I'm sorry. I went to the uh, other things, but um, these are everything that um, we discussed and we'd be open to answering any questions or take any suggestions.
0: Thank you. Mr. Hey, D- 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 yes. Member Kloot.
3: So uh, Paul, I was interested in hearing um, how you are going to do the parade route. I'm concerned about for those kids who don't live in Medford maybe they're part of our homeless population or, or out of di- whatever out of district for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh, will they be asked to uh, come down and stand on one of the Medford streets?
12: I mean that's you know that's something that we didn't touch base on but now that I'm hearing it yeah I mean that we want to get as many people as much opportunity as, as possible. Um, I'm just
3: thinking about, uh, I know that you and Dr. Cushing and many others were very instrumental in getting out the signs to our students. And I know that they went to several communities where we had our students. So I want to make sure that we're inclusive of those students. Also I'm a little surprised at 10 a.m. Any uh, particular reason why 10 Um,
12: a.m.? That's just really a placeholder. we're trying to see when there'd be less traffic during the day. And you have to understand that if we do do a parade route within tandem with the police department, um, that's going to be a pretty long parade route uh, to get to as many main streets as we possibly can. Right. And it could cause a whole disruption throughout the city. So, but it's a good disruption in a sense, because we're honoring our seniors. So.
13: Uh, a- if I can jump in as well. Um, we've been working with uh, Sergeant Hartnett. Um, with the Medford police. And that is the time that has been provided for us for the, um, for the elementary parades. And as restrictions are, are lifted, we definitely wanna be able to find that time that will not interfere with traffic. Um, there have definitely been some breaks in the parades as lights have changed and different things like that. And given that the high school has the largest staff, we would wanna make sure that we, uh, we stay as tight as possible and the ability to stay together as much as possible so, that we don't have essentially two parades moving through the city.
3: Right. So, um, I certainly understand that. My thought would be, or, you know, um, these are high school students, and uh, normally uh, we have customarily had graduation in the evening. Um, and so, just, you know, kind of thought it might be a seven o'clock parade.
12: Yeah. And I want to state like the times are. You know, I they're just ideas. Um, For example, like even if you look at the Saturday, August fifteenth, you know, six p.m. might not be the night time to do it. Maybe we do it at three p.m. so that families have time to celebrate. Celebrate as well, based on that, we might not get everybody to get into Hormel. So you know, like again, this is where we're at at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we're looking for is more of approval of the structure, but we can definitely. Adjust to ideas that people are coming out with
3: sure and of course i'd be very curious again How how the kids felt about the timing once we understand what our constraints are? Uh, I do want to express my appreciation for uh you guys working this all out and um, you know coming up with a plan
12: Thank you
0: Thank you very much Um, If There's no other questions we will oh oh yes member McLaughlin and then we have a um uh, member Graham and we also have a resident that would like to speak
7: thank you thank you Mr. DeLeva um excited about these opportunities for our seniors and thank you also for all you and dr cushing and others have been doing with the signs and um i noticed that the real estate had a sign up in medford square and you know would encourage businesses um and anybody to you know put signs out let the seniors know that we're thinking of them i think this is really important and i also wanted to give a shout out to um our PTO heads, you know, um, and, and also the folks, Jackie Falco and Celia Lee and others who have been doing the adopt a senior program, um, on social media, which has just been a fantastic program to inspire the community to, um, adopt a senior and, you know, uh, sort of be a family that of support for them. And, um, And, you know, the seniors are all adopted. There was a waiting list for community members who wanted to adopt more seniors. So um, I think there was a really great response from the community. And it's a really exciting um, project that they put together. So that was really wonderful as well. I'm looking forward to celebrating um, class of 2020 who's been through so much. And if any of them are listening or on, we want to say we appreciate you and congratulations. And um, you're nearly there, right? What's their last day, Mr. Deleva?
12: um the seniors is may 29th
0: yes you're almost there
12: (laughs) thank you thank you
6: member graham and then kyle um yeah thank you for this this um i think makes a lot of sense i really appreciate that um we did this together with not just parents but students um and that we took the time to hold Facebook live sessions and survey, I think that's great because I think we really do have a good pulse on what our seniors want right now. Um, The one request I would make is that we not hold our seniors to this opinion of right now as um, this virus continues to unfold. So how they feel right now may be just a little bit different than how they feel in July and if we're looking at things stretching into the fall, they may yet feel different then. So um, I know that's it's tricky to navigate the timing of all of that, but I would just ask that we continue, like make sure we know how to contact them all once they're sort of out of our, out of our house, but continue to talk to them about what is upcoming and what they want from us um, to celebrate their achievement.
13: We definitely appreciate that. And everything, that, while, this, while the framework is there, everything is designed to be flexible um, based on guidelines, based upon, you know, heaven forbid, uh, resurgences and those types of things. Um, everything is designed to be flexible. Um, but we really do want to get the parade and other things that we can do. Um, I think the Adopt a Senior was an amazing program and really awesome. Yeah. Um, and any other ideas that people have, I, I love that business, the Remax one. Uh, that's a, that's a really great type of graffiti to have up in Medford for, for people to really show their love for the class of 2020. And, um, not only we're going to be announcing a spirit week for the week of Memorial day and on Memorial day, there'll be a decorating the door contest, um, for, uh, remembering veterans Um, That will be publicized by the school district in conjunction with the Veterans Affairs Office. But secondly um, On Friday of that week, we're gonna have a decorate your driveway decorate your door district-wide contest um, for um, students throughout the district to take their pictures send them in have them posted on Facebook to really represent the class of 2020 and for anyone on the call, you know You may look back on your prom or your graduation and think no big deal um, but it's really short-sighted. I've heard people say those things and I think it's short-sighted that to not remember in the moment, how momentous and amazing those experiences were, um, for us. Um, so, you know, and we're trying to do everything and the Donlins, uh, Mr. DeLeva and the other principals, Mr. Fallon, Miss Miss Kingsley have just done an absolutely amazing job on, on this.
12: If I could just add one point, um, I need to thank the PTO for that adopt a senior. Um, it was reached out to me and I sort of put it a little bit on them because we were doing all this other stuff. So um, just a shout out to the um, the high school vocational PTO that really took the ball and really went running with it. So I thank them for all the efforts that they put in.
7: I make a motion to approve the schedule.
12: Um, you, have, you have somebody. Yep. Mm-hmm.
7: Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
14: Yeah, yeah. No no worries. Um, I, I'm sorry if, if my comment probably might fit in better at the beginning than right now, uh, but- Is it
0: related to the senior?
14: Oh, yes, it is. Okay. It is. So um, my name is Kyle Niece. I'm a senior here at Medford High. I live at 48 Cooley Road. Um, I would like to just first say that I wrote this before the information um, that was just shared by Mr. DeLayba was revealed. Um, but my point still stands in this message in the information displayed Before, it doesn't necessarily change much of the the issues uh, we as a class have. Um, But with this being said, I would like to thank you all for organizing these meetings. Um, A million things can be said about how hard a lot of the people in the school system are working. We students really do appreciate the people like yourselves that have our best interest in mind. And it's very nice to have this platform where us students can voice our opinions and express our situation to you all. Um, I'm here to speak about how disappointed the senior class of Medford High is about the way we've been treated. I'm not here to complain about how we can't have graduation or the fact that a classic prom isn't achievable. We as students, we understand that these aspects of our senior year just won't be able to happen the way that it normally does because of COVID-19. We understand that. What we seniors are upset about runs a little bit deeper than missing out on these events. We are disappointed by the lack of communication and disregard for our senior year by the administration. We as a class have not received many updates. Um, in the the past weeks. I'm not talking about an email letting us know our school year won't be extended. And I'm not talking about an email telling us that Zoom meetings are now mandatory for all of us to attend in our final days of school. I'm talking about hearing any sort of heartfelt message from the administration. The closest personal message we've received from the administration was on April 16th. This email was sent to us um, and it contained uh, a video with messages from the assistant principals. I urge you to watch this video for yourself and try to tell us seniors that we should feel reassured. We as seniors were very upset and confused in the time of late March, when we heard that our year might be extended to the 15th of June instead of the 29th of May. We were at this time and are still not being taught much of anything new. This extension idea felt like a perfect example of the disconnect from the students to our administration. How could the administration truly believe that this is permissible to do when they've stopped teachers from teaching seniors new content? This disconnect was later emphasized on May 4th when we received a, short, a short-worded email stating, and I quote, attention seniors, your last day of school is Friday, May 29th. That's it, nothing else. A 10-word email to supposedly assure us that everything is okay, we're getting out, but yet confirm that people were trying to work to extend our year against our wishes. We're not asking for a lot. Many of us, like myself, aren't even asking for a graduation replacement or a modified prom. We're just asking to be treated with respect. Other seniors in the area have already graduated. Other seniors have had their work significantly decrease. Other seniors have had meetings with their principals where they've laid out plans for social distancing, graduation, and rescheduled prom in the summer. But we've been kept out of the communication. We're in the dark. We haven't heard about our graduation gowns. I mean, we we just did, sorry. But um, as as two hours ago, we we did not hear about our graduation gowns, and we haven't heard about cleaning out our lockers either. Instead, all we hear is rumors, and that's pretty much it for as far as we know about how the rest of the year is going to go. What I would like to make very clear is that our teachers have been nothing but excellent to me and my classmates. The message from our teachers is consistent, meaningful, and reassuring. I leave my Zoom calls with my teachers often feeling better than I did coming into them. These tough times have shown us students who really cares about us personally. Our teachers have been outspoken, understanding, and and committed to us all throughout this pandemic. I don't want my comments to reflect on them at all. The teachers at Medford High have been nothing but excellent to me and my friends throughout all the time that I've been at Medford High. It would be nice if the administration matched the teachers attitudes and avenues of communication so that way us seniors truly feel cared for. I know that there isn't much the school committee can do for me as far as this issue goes, but I just wanted you all to hear and acknowledge the frustration brewing from the senior class. I really appreciate you guys' time. It means a lot to me. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kyle. Um, we have Member McLaughlin and then member Graham. Kyle, I just wanted
7: to say that was quite remarkable and um, articulate um, presentation. And um, you have a a great career ahead of you in public speaking. I think that was really profound. And I'm really sorry that this is what you're experiencing this year. Um, I'm sorry for all of the seniors. And um, I hope that things improve from here on out. And um, I look forward to celebrating
0: you all. Member Graham.
6: Um, thanks, Kyle. Uh, one of the things that the school committee does have the power to do is um, continuing to talk about how we communicate. And there's actually a whole subcommittee dedicated to that. Um, we've obviously been maybe slow to move on some of those topics given the closure and reformatting these meetings and all of that good stuff, but it is um one of the most important things that caused me to even run for this office to begin with. So what I can tell you is that it is sort of in our purview to talk about what we as a district want to do. Um, it's also in our purview to prioritize from a budgetary perspective, the things that make good communication successful. So you have come to the right place. Um, thank you. And, um, I think through all of this, there's a million things that in hindsight, we know that we could do better. Um, And I think as we move forward, we will. So um, thank you for your comments. And I'm told that graduation is one of the most fun parts of being on the school committee. So I am excited for whenever that ceremony happens.
12: Mr. DeLeva. So Kyle, I want to apologize to you if uh, these are the feelings that that have been because of the lack of communication. Um, I just kind of want to state that in some cases when I communicate I try to find to give um, more information that's exact and sometimes that gets delayed um, than just trying to you know give people false hope at the same time And that's what I was never my intent. As a matter of fact in that video, That was something that, you know, the administration did all come up with, but I don't disagree with what your statements are. If that's the feeling of, you know, the senior class, that's something that, you know, that I, that falls on me as, as the headmaster. So if that's something that I've been lacking on, then I want to apologize publicly that that's something that you have been feeling throughout this time. So I'm sorry that that's occurring. My hope is that we try to make it as best as we can towards the end here.
14: Um, I, I want to make it like very clear, like as a student body, everybody that I've talked to, like I, we truthfully, like we respect everybody in, in the administration. We know that you guys care. We just wish that it was a little bit more open and we wish that there was a little bit more inclusion as far as like what we're told, but it, it's all good. I, I do get what you're saying. I, I get that you, you are here to give us the information. I do understand that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kyle. Um, Another positive note for the seniors. I just wanted to bring Um, To the attention of the committee and the the residents that are teachers that are watching that the Rotary Club bought a ginormous banner that is now up at City Hall congratulating our seniors so Many things are coming good things for our seniors. I know it's not um, in place of a graduation, but We'll keep working at it Kyle
6: member Graham Kyle will you tell us what's next for you?
14: I'm going to Bridgewater State University to study health communications and disorders.
6: Great.
3: Congratulations.
6: Congratulations.
3: I appreciate it. Congratulations,
6: thank you. Kyle. Have That's a good day, awesome. everybody.
3: It's great. Congratulations. And thank you for being here. Yeah.
4: Thank you for your comments. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank
3: you. OK, um,
0: we are on to number four report on remote learning plan by Miss Joan Bowen.
15: Good evening. In your packets I provided an update regarding the remote learning plans for our students with disabilities. The first part of the report includes a timeline with the outline of the guidance that we received from Desi from April 3rd until currently. Um, also in the packet I've included a blank remote learning plan as well as a sample learning plan that Um, Provides examples of what an individualized remote learning plan would look like for some of our students with disabilities. Um, At this time, I've confirmed with all of our evaluation team leaders that the remote learning plans for all in-district students have been completed, as well as all of -of out-of-district students have been completed and received by families. And as the school year continues, we will continue to revise them as um, teams continue to meet for annual review meetings, three-year reevaluations, and initial evaluations. So they will be re- revised at that time. Um, I didn't know if anyone had any
5: specific questions regarding the remote learning plans. Member McLaughlin? You're on mute. You're on
7: mute. I know, I know. I was trying to find my my mute button. I had two windows open at the same time. So um, thank you. I had an occasion to see one of the remote learning plans um, recently, and uh, I thought that they were very impressive. Um, I think that they look really great. Um, I appreciate that. I had a couple of questions. One was um, um, just regarding the remote learning plans as a whole. Sorry, bear with me one second. I have them written down. um, uh, special education out of district payments um, and maybe this is a Christine question but is Medford public Schools still paying the out of district tuition to our out of district schools
3: yes we are
7: okay
5: thank yeah. you
3: um, yep. Melanie Yes, if I could um, so when I go in to sign the bills which I'm doing every other week mm-hmm. uh, I am signing those bills for out of district placement thank you Um, and, um, Joan, um,
7: there was a question about, um, what happens if these, what happens if the schools open in, you know, July or August, um, and I guess this is to ESY as well. So I guess it's, you know, specific to remote learning plans for those who are on, um, considering the agenda, um, it is specific to the remote learning plans because there are several students who have to be evaluated for extended school year services, which would then therefore be in their remote learning plans. So um can you speak to that a little bit so Extended we, year.
15: so we we don't have a clear um answer from desi yet on can what actually
7: interrupt you sorry for one second sure. um, don't would you mind just for point of information for those who are on the call who might not know what extended school year is would you just start with that
15: sure so extended school year is what we consider um programming for our students with disabilities that require um, an extension of services over the summer to prevent significant regression of skills during the school year. So we, we take data on students when they come back from vacations, um, holidays, long weekends, that sort of thing to, to determine if there's ability to recoup the skills or if there's significant regression. And then the teams would make the determination that students would require extended school year programming and it can look different for s- different students. It could be program level students. It could be for reading. It could be for late related services only for like speech, OTPT, that sort of thing.
7: And it could be for academic, what have you, but it's also all housed in or has generally been housed in our Medford public schools. Correct. So it's definitely connected to obviously school opening, school closures. So mm-hmm. Without knowing that, has there been any guidance from Desi on um, extended school year?
15: No, we we met last Friday and we're hoping um, once the governor has determined, you know, the phases that we go through, what, what it will look like for extended school year services at this point, um, we've been um, provided guidance to plan on doing remote ex- Extended school year, but if the schools do open, we would have to look at that. Do we have the necessary equipment to open schools, the uh, PPE, that sort of thing. So right now we're planning for both and we're just waiting for guidance from um, Desi on which way we, we can go.
7: And when you say the meetings have been held, are those public meetings that um, for the guidance that meetings that you're talking about weekly or no, this
15: is a this is a special ed directors um, weekly meeting that we have with Russell Johnson, oh. and every every week there's um, updated guidance with different topics that are going on. And are they posting the guidance? Do you know for families to see? Yes, they are. And I actually sent an updated letter to all of our special education families um, yesterday. It's posted on um, social media. It's update regarding timelines, extended school year, if your child's turning three and the remote learning plans, as well as an FAQ form from DESE that they provided to us. So that went out to everyone yesterday.
7: Thank you. That's really helpful. And so if there are other district programs that do reopen and Medford has not, how does that work for families? They participate in the out-of-district program's remote opening for ESY or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then lastly i just sort of wanted to um put out for the remote learning plans i know that there was some guidance especially for our remote iep meetings that there was some guidance that had been in some language um, with school districts across the state that russell has uh, russell johnson who is the uh, director of special education for department of education has asked that school districts rescind um which has been guidance that uh, essentially was asking parents to Uh, waive procedural uh, safeguards uh, for remote meetings, if they were having Zoom meetings, that they would waive their procedural safeguards. And so we've all gotten guidance that 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 is uh, incorrect and that so families should know that um, they should not be waiving procedural guidelines and Medford is no longer doing that. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, good. And how are we letting families know um, that, you know, that uh, if had they waived these procedural guidelines in previous meetings that they're, um, that that was not relative.
15: So the information is also included in the letter that I sent out to families that we're no longer requesting it, but um, anything before, I think the the timeline was before May 1st. That's the guidance we received to use that um, statement. And after that, they're null and void. So um, most of the team leaders were just reading a statement we weren't asking parents to sign off on
7: it so that going forward it would be null and void sure and did Destiny give guidance that before may one it's not null and void or do you know sorry i i don't know
15: specifically i just know that that was the the date that it came out
7: Okay, so I'll double double check on that. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And um, this is,
5: thank you so much. And that's very helpful. Thank you,
0: Ms. Bowen. If we could go to number five, report on student engagement during closure two, Dr. Maurice Edward Vincent.
5: Yes, so I'm gonna um, share my screen just for a moment, this report. Okay. So this report is an update
8: from um, the student engagement report that took place on April 20th um, last month. And so um, I wanna just thank up front Kim Miles for helping uh, all the administrators who gave us updated data. So um, since that point in time, the April 20th uh, school committee meeting Um, We do have, you know, positive news to report. So at that time, uh, we had approximately, uh, you know, about 350 students that were not as engaged as they could have been. And we had uh, 35 to 37 students that we were unable to make any contact with. And so um, after that school committee meeting, I communicated with um, Chief Jack Buckley and he um, assigned two of his detectives, Detectives Coughlin and Detective Lockowitz. Um, they went to conduct wellness visits. Um, they went to 35 homes um, of our K to 12 population. And um, of those 35 visits, 32 of them brought fruitful positive results of um, leaving communication, reaching a parent or an adult, And um, letting them know that we really wanted them to reengage in learning that is taking place. Um, The three remaining students um, that um, Detectives Coughlin and Lockowitz were not able to locate, our administration continued to call, and we were able to make connections with those three remaining students. So at that point in time, for all of our K 12 students, we have been able to make 100%. Um, contact our preschool students in the meet program. We do have two students that uh, we were unable to um, still get communication with those parents, and um, we are continuing to um, use our all of the connections that are available. But in terms of having made contact and making sure that all of our students are safe, um, we feel good about. The communication that has to take place um, thus far. Um, as I s- scroll up, uh, this first table essentially shows you an over um, the entire district, district-wide view of what's happening in Medford Public Schools. Um, and the table on the right shows our district-wide numbers uh, last month and our district-wide numbers as of Friday. Um, The first thing to notice is that um, there's a difference from 4160 to 4159. So in the past month, we've had one student formally withdraw from um, Medford Public Schools. So our current enrollment is 4159. If you look at um, the data uh, that's represented under closely monitored. We have 95 students that are still being closely monitored in this category down from 228. So there is still a segment of the population that um, we know are not as engaged as uh, we would like them to be, but we are um, working with them and um, guidance, our adjustments counselors, Um, Everyone is working collaboratively on that end. The other area where there was a significant decrease for the better was our special education students that um, at that point in time um, were listed as not as engaged, was 58 students. That number has decreased all the way down to 16 students. So um, we were really, really pleased with that number. We also, again, um, from Jones. Ms. Bowen's report that was just previously um, presented uh, about the specialized plans that over 800 plans, remote learning plans that um, were created from the last time we met to this time, which is a tremendous feat. And so I thank you, Joan, for all of, and your entire special education team for all of their hard work on accomplishing that goal that we can say 100% of students in Medford Public Schools has um, a remote learning plan, which is a great accomplishment. So I think um, that work is an example of seeing the significant decrease of students that were not as engaged, that number dropping down from 58 to 16 um, students. And for our EL population, our English learners, another decrease where when the um, original Uh, data grab took place we had 64 students that were not as engaged and um, when we went and did the second pass that number dropped down to 37 students so um, we are pleased with the progress that has been made that we've made contact um, with our students and again trying to see what are the other things that we're able to do to um continue to support teaching and learning um from now through the end of this school year uh page two just shows the overall breakout of the remaining schools um but again um this the the overarching district-wide view really gives you a clearer picture that um a significant dent was made in the efforts um, of administration, the efforts of teachers, reaching out, um, trying to connect with all students and keeping track of who is engaged um, and who is not as engaged and trying to get additional supports for those members and for those uh, students who need it.
0: But those are my remarks. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Edward um, Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, uh, Dr. Edward Vincent,
7: for the closely monitored, is that number inclusive of the EL and special ed students not engaged?
8: The closely monitored,
7: uh, not engaged. So in other words, is the 95, the closely monitored, does that include the 37 and 16 EL students and special education students? In other words, are those students being closely monitored? Is that inclusive of that number?
5: You know what? I I am not sure. I'm not sure of Dr. Cushing or another member of the team
8: for that particular uh, closely monitored. I thought it was, I don't know if, if it was if the closely monitored is all, or it's like a double count is what you're asking me. Are they represented twice? Okay. I'm they, not
13: sure they are if you not give me a Dr. They're not, sorry, they're not represented twice.
7: Okay, but that, thank you. And that said, they, but they are being closely monitored for that, not engaged. Correct, correct. Thank you, thank
0: you you for this great report. It's good progress, great progress. Yes, Um, is there any, if there's no other questions, we are gonna move on to number six, report on elementary EL newcomer restructuring plan for um, school year 2021, Mr. Paul Texera.
1: Good evening, everyone. be sharing the PowerPoint, you all have it. You have the handouts. Uh, how would you like me to proceed?
14: Would you, you like
5: me to share, share it, share it? Uh, Mr. Texter? Okay. All right.
1: If you, yeah, I can share the PowerPoint. If okay.
5: All
1: right. Okay. So, to give you the information in here, uh, we don't have a newcomer kindergarten program. Um, We find that having elementary students or kindergarten students in a mainstream kindergarten classroom. They get the English language development that they need to be able to go on to first grade. Uh, Last year's data, we had um, 19, we had 21 newcomer uh, kindergarten students. Only two of those needed to go to newcomers in grade one. Our newcomer grade one and grade two classrooms are at the Brooks Elementary School and grades three, four, and five are at the Roberts. Mm Uh, So, Um. So, in the program was originally housed completely at the Roberts Elementary School. And in May of 2017, the school committee voted to move first and second grade to the Burke School as a result of increased enrollment of students at the Roberts, mainstream students. But then the increased numbers of English learner students um, pushed the limits of the capacity for students at the uh, Roberts Elementary School. And over the past three years, you know, we've had um several families who have to make the adjustment of having a student in first grade and third grade go to two different schools Uh, another concern with um, the program structure the way it is is that if we have a student start newcomers in grade two they need newcomers in grade three so we've moved them from the brooks to the roberts and then If they exit newcomers at the end of grade three, they have the option of going back to their neighborhood school. So in a very short period of time, we have moved this student to three different buildings. Uh, It can happen in as little as one and a half year period. Um, And this was brought up at the budget meeting because of some potential um, cost savings here. Uh, It wasn't anticipated that this would cost any add anything to our transportation budget, but over the three years it has Um, it's $46,000 transportation cost this past year to get the students uh, to the Brooks and so that's just grades one and two. that this $46,000 represents. Uh, They tried initially with one big yellow bus to take all of the EL students around the district to the, all of the first and second grade students to the Brooks. Uh, What happened was students were on the bus up to an hour and a half each way. Um, So then we ended up going with two vans to cover each side of the city. The struggle that we have with the vans is when they reach capacity, uh, we're scrambling to try to get them a spot on, on the bus, and it actually delays them uh, starting. And uh, Ms. Patterson works with the um, transportation company and has you know tried to move mountains to accommodate these you know to accommodate the families and students so they can get to the school that they need. Um, And what she's being told is that, you know, there is a statewide transportation shortage. um, So there aren't extra vans or drivers available, uh, even if we could add another van to the route. Uh, Another struggle that we've had at the Brooks is that when a van driver calls in sick, um, one van will run both routes. And so that causes a delay with pickups with the students. It also causes a delay when they get home. And then our families don't speak English, so communicating that with them when it happens at the last minute has been a real struggle. So those are some of the challenges with having the programs, um, the program split and and in the current buildings that they're in. So if you look at this, I detailed, and and again, our, our population is fluid and it changes on a regular Basis. So this information was as of uh, the end of February, beginning of March. For, for newcomer students, we have 11, in, 11 students in uh, grade one at the Brooks, tw- uh, 13 students in grade two, uh, 10 in grade three, four uh, 23 in grade four, nine in grade five, giving us a total of 42 newcomer students. I in here the um hang on for one sec let me just adjust my screen um the number of students who have um transferred out of district so these are students that at some point were in the grade levels um and that's 15 students that we have in the newcomer program who left either went to another district went back to their home country uh anything like that So I looked at where our newcomers actually live, what neighborhoods are they living in. And you can see here, um, by grade level, and if you look, most of our students live in the McLean Elementary neighborhood uh, with the greatest concentration with our grade four, which is kind of our bubble class this year. We only have four students who live in the Brooks neighborhood. We have 13 students who live in the Roberts neighborhood. Uh, 19 students in the Columbus neighborhood, and 30 students in the McLenn Elementary neighborhood. And these are the total numbers of students in the schools, uh, in, um, and then the, the number of uh, English learners in each school. Uh, as you can see, um, the... Roberts are even, you know, with the three grade levels of newcomers still has the highest number of elementary students uh, In the district and so These are the newcomers in each school the Brooks has 24 the Roberts has 42 and again this number fluctuates um, Basically monthly So I'd like to join the program together um into you know one building, and ideally, it would be the neighborhood where the students are actually living. Um, this, by joining the grade levels together, we'd have less movement of students between schools. It allows us to concentrate our program and services. Uh, we have a newcomer team, and we have a one to one two newcomer team at the Brooks, and we have a three through five newcomer team. Uh, at the Roberts, but it would be great to have them together. Um, that also allows shared resources, materials. The uh, ELAids who are bilingual, it increases translation needs, increases the variety of languages uh, with the ELAids and teachers who are capable of speaking other languages. Uh, families don't have to juggle the students in different buildings; they have different bus stops and different times. One bus going to the Brooks is this bus stop, and it may only be three blocks away, but two minutes later is the, the bus going to the Roberts, and parents can't be in two places at the same time. And with a first grader and a third grader, you can't leave them even to go two blocks on their own. Um, they have to juggle different back-to-school nights, different report card conferences, conference nights, and different school-based events. So... There are several factors to consider in um, moving the program, the EL students' neighborhoods, the physical space that exists in the buildings, the existing specialized programs, and the diversity across all buildings. So geographically, it makes the most sense to move the newcomer program to the McGlynn Elementary because that's where our students live. But if we were to do this, this is what the numbers would look like. And um, that would push the McGlynn Elementary uh, School up to 546 students with 138 of them being English learners, and they would have the highest percentage of English learner students in the district. If we were to consider the Columbus Elementary. It would bring their numbers up to 444 total students with 133 of them being ELs. And that would put 30% of the English learners at
5: the Columbus Elementary School.
1: And if we were to consider going back to the Roberts to the old model, that would push the Roberts numbers up to 588 students with 111 of them being English learners, and that would be uh, 19% of the student population. And then if we were to do the Brooks, we would still run into transportation issues, but that would bring the Brooks numbers up to 563 students with 92 of them being English learners. Um, And that would be 16%. So I looked at hybrid models uh, following like a 1 to 4, 5 through 8 model, um, and I did this because putting fifth grade, if we could put fifth grade at the McGlynn Elementary School, it would kind of follow that model where the uh, middle school starts in sixth grade, um, you know, at the McGlynn Middle. So if we were to place grades one through four at the Columbus and put grade five at the McGlynn, this is what the numbers would look like. Oops, sorry.
5: There
1: we go. Sorry about that. Um, so the new total for the McGlynn Elementary would go up to 503. 95 of those students would be ELs, and that would be 90, 19%. The Columbus would go from three hundred and seventy eight students uh, to four hundred and twenty one with hundred and ten being English learners, and that would be twenty six percent of the population. And then if we were to consider a hybrid Roberts mcglynn um, the change same change would happen at the McGlynn with the 19 percent. The Roberts would just really go up um, to five hundred and sixty five students giving them eighty eight. Um, EL students uh, in in there, which would be 16%. Again, looking at where they live, the Roberts, you know, the two top schools are the McGlynn Elementary and the Columbus in terms of neighborhoods. So Roberts is outside of um, their neighborhood. And that's the presentation. So
5: um, I can take questions right now.
3: Member Vandekloot? Yes, thank you, Mr. Tick, Sarah. Um, So this, this is challenging. Um, as you may be aware, the school committee received several emails from teachers in the program. Um, and there were a couple of concerns voiced. Uh, one of them was uh, concerns about packing up and moving under the current uh, COVID crisis. Um, the other concern, uh, which I think really stood out to me was saying, maybe this is a good idea, but is this the year to do it? Uh, again, speaking to the thought that kids now have been out of school and now all of a sudden you're going to change their school placement. Um, and who knows what's happening in the fall. So not only would they, um, it would be an entirely new school for them. Um, so could you speak to those issues?
1: So, I mean, I agree with all of those. I mean, I had a meeting with the teachers, they, they saw this PowerPoint and I encouraged them to share their concerns because their voice needs to be heard as well. Um, it's, it's either a really good year to make the move because of everything being disrupted, that this, you know, it, I don't look at it necessarily as an additional disruption, it's everything's changed. And so this change, putting it in, this may make logical sense to do it now. And just so you know, also this plan, um, when I started looking at this, happened before the schools were shut down. So, um, you know, I I feel that that, you know, it's gonna be one of those things in hindsight, yes, it was 2020, but now to predict, to say wait, or to say move ahead, we won't know until we actually do it. When I look big picture long-term, of what's best for our families, I know that we, you know, we meet with the families when they register at the Parent Information Center and when they're tested, and we do an informal interview about the child's educational history. Um, and when we have to tell a family that their s- children are going to two different buildings, and again, it's mostly it seems it's, it's more of a problem for the younger grades—a first grader and a third grader, or even a second and third—that you're going to two different buildings. That causes a real hardship for our families and so that's um waiting a year isn't going to alleviate that for any of our families.
3: I think I think the other concern that is loud and clear is um the students being on buses for so long um you know and I, I understand with the small vehicles that helped but it's still an issue. Um, the, uh, the other concern or the other piece of this is that would mean that two of our buildings would have substantially less diverse populations. Um, and I'm a little concerned about that, um, but maybe you could speak to that.
1: So I understand that. and you know, But the role of the EL department is to provide English language development to our students. And and a diversity plan and racial balance is kind of a separate thing outside of the English learner population. It is, I think, a legitimate question, and it's something that needs to be addressed, but it's almost like that's a separate issue of how we can better racially balance the uh, elementary schools.
3: So from an education standpoint, um, you believe that the students would be best served um, by making a change like you've suggested?
1: yes because i think it would increase um parent and guardian involvement in the schools if their their neighborhoods you know their neighborhood schools and parents aren't divided between two different buildings um you know i know that there have been events in the past above and beyond report card conferences and you know the the must-haves but you know some of the fun family events it's difficult for our parents to get to and then to juggle which school you're going to go to, if you can't go to both and not really feeling a part of either school.
3: Thank you, Mr. Tixer.
0: Member, Member Kretz, then Member Rousseau, then Member McLaughlin. Member Kretz. Yes, uh,
4: thank you for the report, Mr. Texaria. And I was just, um, I know um, Ms. Vandercloud already shared a lot of the concerns already expressed. So if we were going to do a change like this, and um, due to the closure, um, you know, one of the concerns would be, you know, how would the the teachers, you know, pack up their classrooms and, you know, get everything organized, you know, in their classrooms, um, because we don't know if they're going to be able to go back into the classrooms, you know, is there a plan for that?
1: So we don't have a current plan for that because everything is dependent upon when anyone can get back into the buildings. So whether it's to move or Mm -hmm. to, you know, clean up from this end of the year and prepare for next year, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll follow that guidance and give whatever support we can to the teachers with, you know, buildings and grounds and getting stuff moved for them and, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully giving them the time. But that's some of those factors are beyond our control when we can let you know, them into the buildings to do that.
16: Yeah. And
4: what about um, communicating to the parents? Because I know that we we often hear that there's not enough communication. Um, would there be, you know, Zoom meetings with these families? Like, how could we get the word out to these families if we were going to make a change to, um, to share the information with them or maybe get some feedback from them before going forward with the plan? Mm -hmm.
1: So in terms of getting feedback from parents before, I do feel like that's already been done. You know, it's done when the parents are registered. And, And it really impacts only the parents who have two school age children in, you know, different who who we have to put into different buildings. And I can tell you 100% of them would prefer that the program be contained in one building. Um, With regard to how we would Mm -hmm. communicate this over the summer, We have our end of the year um, meetings where we determine student placements and we communicate that with families at the end of every school year. And that does involve changing schools. So between the letter that gets sent home, parent mm-hmm. outreach on behalf of the teachers. The teachers have really strong communications um, with their EL families and that's how they communicate what's, uh, what's happening and obviously you know, I'm available to answer and we have uh, you know our translators on hand if we need translation support um, to best communicate this to all stakeholders.
9: Thank you. Member Rousseau. Thank you very much. Um, I understand that this is not Simple, Um, one of the things that I seem to feel like is not being this, well, has not been brought up yet. um, And I feel like is the elephant in the room, at least it is for me, um, is the fact that what we really are missing is the need to uh, do a full district-wide program placement and redistricting of the entire city. Um, A lot of our problems are, you know, people moving into one area or another. Um, And, you know, we have the Connections program at the Roberts, which is two classrooms. Uh, We had a bubble in the fifth grade this year. Uh, But the thing is, is we have an awful lot of capacity with all of our elementary kids. We really do still have an awful lot of capacity. Um, And we're dealing with this, you know, Mr. Tixera, you just said, parents would really rather have everything in one building. I think it's the most obvious choice if you are a parent and frankly, the teachers probably would love to all be together as well. And we don't really even think that, I think we're not considering that as a, as a solution necessarily because again, capacity. Um, I, I don't know that anybody here other than Mr. Vander Kloot and maybe Miss Caldwell were around for the last time we did a redistricting, which is about as politically fun as, uh, well, it's not fun apparently, um, but you know I, I'm not so interested in just getting out a map and drawing lines again. I'm like, okay, we've got the TLP, we have the connections program, we have this program, we have that program, we have the EL, we have the newcomers, and um, while these are not static programs, enrollments go up and down. The reality is, is our biggest problem is that we are not re- drawing lines. Um, and, um, you know, I have the enrollment data for each of the schools going back since 1990 something. And, you know, th- there, are a couple of interesting fluctuations, but the, the bottom line is, is that this is not a new problem that there's this huge, um, you know, imbalance and we're not really looking to address it. So, I mean, I think that giving, if we put kids and families first, um, then everybody should be in one building. And if we have another problem that makes that difficult, then let's solve that problem instead of just not looking there. Um, So um, I I guess I I don't, you know, we have to pick one of these options Um, and I'm okay with picking an option, especially if it's attached to we will do something else. And I realize this is probably the worst imaginable year to suggest we spend the next year redistricting. Um, Goodness, is there anything else we could add to the superintendent's list of activities to accomplish? Um, On the other hand, it's a problem that's been around long since I started elementary, my kids started elementary school at the Columbus. Um, And it's not going away. And are we going to make the EL kids, I mean, you know, Mr. Tixer mentioned the second and the third grade family and how difficult that is when they find out their kids aren't going to the same school. And I know my own children who are just one, about well, two years apart, like it, it would be a huge deal if they weren't in the same school. Um, but I don't think a, a third grader and a fifth grader is terribly different than a second and a fourth grader. So picking that option means where we're, we're, we're still in that situation. So um, I, I'd like to hear somebody who's been through redistricting, um, and I'd also like to hear from the superintendent about, you know, is this on the, um, the radar to look at full-blown, where are all of the programs? Should we be redrawing the whole city? We can address issues of um, racial balance and, and and equity and other issues by redrawing these lines. We can't do it. just taking all the all the newcomer kids and moving them to the brooks and saying there's diversity for you um you know that, that that's not really how that's supposed to work um
16: thank you
0: member mclaughlin and member graham
7: thank you thank you mr tixera for the report paul can i ask you how do you pronounce your last name i know a lot of people pronounce tixera differently so i want to make sure we're pronouncing it right
1: um, it's Texera It's I, I don't have a preference. My parents Americanized it when I was younger, so
7: t- Texera, right? But it can be Teixeira. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, um, thank you, and thank you for this. And um, I respect you immensely, and I respect your evaluation, um, and I appreciate it. Um, I do think um, to other folks uh, point as we're thinking about, you know, family, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was the family engagement. And I think you've addressed that. So I know Member Kretz asked that and you addressed that in the incoming and in the checking in, um, but also uh, teacher engagement. It sounds like you said you had a teacher meeting, but, you know, whether there's been a response from the teachers as a whole, um, I'd be curious on, too. And then, you know, principal, admin, you know, heads of the buildings, um, what their perspective is and how they're feeling about it. And, I do think it it begs the question of integration as well. And I know that I really appreciated your answer to, you know, it's not, that's not what the EL program is, right? It's not about these kids are for diversity. It's not about, you know, we're having, you know, the EL program satisfy uh, our diversity needs. That's not appropriate, right? They should be getting what they need based on what they need. It's not about whether they're, you know, um, filling some gap in diversity for us in any particular school. Um, But we do have a larger issue of integration across the district, right? And so we see this at the elementary schools. I mean, the numbers that you just showed um, are dramatic when we shift anything around, right? Although some of them are static. So looking at that as a whole, I think is a big issue. And so you know, I think that this is a, to remember Rousseau's point when he was saying, you know, we put the families and the children first. I I don't know that that's necessarily always true. I think it's the budget that gets put first. Um, And so it's the same with the kids with disabilities. They are put into the school programs, you know, oftentimes and not necessarily um, in their community school or whatever. And we understand to some degree because look at the cost that's cited. It's 40 8K or 46K, I think you said, to transport them to a different school. So there are other factors that are on the table here. But I think as important as cost um, and and family engagement and teacher engagement and program um, needs... Uh, is the issue of integration uh, across our district, and it should be part of the conversation as well um, at all levels. And so I so appreciate your input, and I just wanted to add that, and I appreciate your teachers who reached out. I think um, one of them specifically noted that in their message, um, in their email, and I think it's an an important conversation that we need to continue.
6: Thank you, you. Member Graham. Thanks. Paul, for your report, um, I don't feel like there's a lot of question in my mind that what's best for these students is for them to be in a building that is not clear across the city from their home and that they don't have to bounce around and have their siblings be in other buildings. So I, I feel like that to me feels like the right thing to do for the for the kids. Um, but In this moment, one of the things I'm really concerned about is the administrative work on all parts that it would take to do this well, and knowing that we may or may not be back in school in September, knowing that all of our teachers would be getting used to new building norms and principles and schedules and all of that, and also knowing that all of these same administrators are going to be all hands on deck, trying to figure out, you know, creating crystal balls and trying to figure out what September may bring and what that means. I I just have a huge concern that we're gonna try to bite off more than we can reasonably chew. And that these kids who are trying to do um, right by are gonna be sort of unintentionally given the short end of the stick. Or that families will feel upset by what we didn't do, um, because our bandwidth just is simply not going to allow for us to do all of this exactly the way we want. So for me, I'm I'm really concerned about not that we should put everybody in the same building, or even that we should um, think about districting in a broader sense, but in this particular move, in this particular moment, the weight of The work that it would take to be successful at it feels like something that has to sort of drive our our immediate decision-making.
1: And I, like I said, I share those concerns because under ideal circumstances, this would be challenging. But like I said, it, it could go either way. Well, okay, things are already in an upheaval. And so we could make this, you know, transition seamless for our students and families. Um, you know, I'm confident that, you know, I can do what needs to be done with the support of the administrative team and the principals to do right by our families. I do believe that. I do believe we have the capacity. Again, not knowing what is coming down the pike is the unknown that, you know, could throw it off. But I still, I do have confidence in the administration that we can successfully pull this off.
0: Thank you. Um, I may ma'am. I ask a question based on your force? oh, sorry, M- Ms. Caldwell.
11: Oh, thank you. Um, while I agree with the school committee that this is such a tumultuous time to do this kind of work, um, I feel that the recommendation of Mr. Texera to do the hybrid model between the Columbus and the McGlynn would be a good thing for the students and the children i've watched Paul Texera work for a few years now and i know between um, i know his heart is with the students and with the families and i know that's what, what he wants to do for them so i think if i can say anybody could pull something like this off with the assistance of the administrative team mr Texera can do it thank you
0: Thank you, Ms. Caldwell. Um, I just, my question revolves around just the space needs of our four elementary schools. Has that been evaluated um, based off the chart that shows the shifts? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So when
1: I originally presented this, it was to central admin then to the principals so people could give their feedback um, and then to the teachers so we could get their feedback.
0: Member Rousseau?
9: Thank you. Um, So if we went with a Columbus-McGlynn hybrid, um, would the Columbus be a 1-2 classroom, a 3-4 classroom, and then would the McGlynn actually be a 5-6 classroom?
1: No, um, because of the numbers of newcomer students and again that fluctuation that we have, we have it by grade level. So even though, so it would be a first grade newcomer classroom, with one teacher, second grade newcomer classroom with another teacher, third grade with another teacher. We wouldn't do the hybrid because it would be a, a violation of civil rights for English learners to not have um, access to their grade level curriculum.
9: Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of um, the, the connections program as the combined classroom. That's where I was getting that. I'm like, I, I know that's a thing, but it's not for newcomers, I'm sorry. Um, so, so the, the fifth grade newcomers, um, would have, I mean, I'm just thinking from like staff collaboration and, and I mean, I, and I, I don't, my, none of my kids went to the McGlynn elementary or middle. So I have to forgive me for not understanding how that would work, but would the fifth grade newcomer team, just be part of sixth grade newcomers at McGlynn? And i
1: see
0: diane's okay. control so this is called one or miss texera
1: either okay. way the, um so there's already a team of el teachers at the mcglynn who do the pullout and there are three teachers and they, they the fifth grade would be a part of that team um, of teachers <laughs> with a, a hybrid of being part of the yeah. sixth grade team where the students would be most likely going to next year because it's unlikely that a student gets exited from English learner program completely after one year. They'll either need a second year of newcomers and then they remain in EL for you know a few years after that. So there's that continuity in, in programming. So although the fifth grade would be the only elementary program there. In the past, they have, you know, had, an, and Miss Carino can speak to this better than I can because it was prior to my time, but go ahead.
16: Okay, thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone, and thank you. Uh, yes, the hybrid model would work the best we would be able to take grade five without a problem. We would have a spare room because I am going from five grade fives back down to four. So there would be a grade five classroom that would be perfect for the newcomer program on the third floor with the fifth grade. Those students would also, for specialists, go with the regular mainstream fifth grade kids to computer, phys ed, music and art. What we would do if you had 12, we would split them up. Four would go to computers on one day, four would go to Italian if we have it, four would go to art, uh, four to music, four to phys ed. It would work. Our EL teachers would, as Paul said, be the teachers for the grade five newcomers. So that would work perfectly. I would have space. I'm concerned that if it was to, that your decision would be to put everybody in the McGlynn, we would not have space for all those classrooms, because we're at capacity right now. Thank you. Thank you.
0: If there's no motion on the floor, we, uh, Member Vandekloot.
3: Yes, I think that the problem is that right now I truly don't feel like I'm ready to make this decision. I think it's a big decision. I think it's a very difficult decision. Um, you know, um. I think it's really hard to figure out what's right, Um, you know, Mr. Texarek. And how much, you know, you brought this to us. I know you gave us a forewarning. Do you? um, Does this need to happen now? Our decision in order to put it in place for next year.
1: Yes, I would like the decision to be made now in order to move forward, because I'd like it to be clear cut. So it is it is definitely going to happen. Um, So yes, I would be looking for your decision tonight.
3: So, and and then between the options, um, are you more in favor of the split between the Columbus and the McGlynn versus all Columbus?
1: Yes, um, because what that does is, and again, our numbers fluctuate tremendously by grade level. And if you look at the chart, that rising fifth grade or the fourth grade, current fourth graders who are the rising fifth graders, that's a huge number. And last year it was the third grade. We can never predict. So by having the one to four, five through a kind of model, it takes the pressure, the enrollment pressure off of a single elementary school if they're juggling four, which I think is what the committee's original plan was when they moved the first and second to the brook. So, you know, to kind of take that pressure off of a single building with um, increased numbers that we can never predict. Mm.
0: Member m Stone and then member McLaughlin and then Member Graham and then Member Rousseau. Um uh, member m- Stone, maybe you shut your video off and it worked a little bit better last time. Um
17: I know Mr. Textera has talked about the difficulty for parents having children in two schools since he came on board?
0: Yes, difficulty sure. to have two students
17: in okay. one, in one uh, school. Mr. Sarah has told us about the concern he's had for the families who have young children to different schools since he's Come on board and has been such an advocate for those families. I would like to make a motion that we, yes, yes. and I'd like to make a motion because he is the director of the program and talks to these families regularly and if this is what he's suggesting is best for the families then i would like to make a motion to go with his um first choice which i believe is the uh, columbus grades one through four in the grade five one uh, we heard from mr Carino, and i'm sure mr texter talked to Ms. k that they talked about the logistics of it all in support mr texter and his unbelievable program which everyone talks about how um well it's run and his vision and i like
0: someone to second that
7: i second it ma'am uh,
0: th- thank you member for <laughs> stone Second, that was a motion to go with Mr. Texera's first recommendation, which is to have one through four at the Columbus and fifth grade at the McGlynn. Is that correct, Mr. Texera? That's your recommendation? Yes. Thank you. Um, Member McLaughlin, did you want to speak or are you good with seconding that motion?
7: I just wanted, I wanted to say I second it, and also um, I appreciate Mr. Teixeira's uh, uh, looking out for our families. I was going to ask what would be different if it was done next year versus this year, but um, to Mr. Teixeira's point that everything is really going to be up in the air, um, you know, um, change is going to be in the air anyway, so I think uh, why not uh, make it happen and,
0: and also um, respect Mr. Teixeira's expertise in this realm. Thank you. Thank you, member Graham, then member Rousseau.
6: Um, I think I just have a more procedural question about whether these kinds of things always come for a vote of the school committee. They feel sort of operational to me. So uh, I'm just trying to understand, like, is it policy, is it budget? Like, I'm just trying to understand what our role is here um, in this vote.
1: So I brought it to the school committee because it was something that was voted on by the school committee in 2017. So I'm looking to undo something that was voted on by the school committee.
0: Got it, Amber Rousseau.
9: Thank you. Um, it's sort of bit of what Miss. Uh, member Graham just said, you know, I mean, as I feel like uh, I've spent a lot of the last couple years trying to assert school committee authority, I think it's also very valid to remember that when we don't have authority, it's kind of important that we not assert something where we don't have authority. I mean, this is a decision, as far as I can tell, fully within the superintendent's purview. I think it's nice that we know that we can provide input and that know a lot of the community might reach out to us and it's an interesting conversation but i don't feel like we have this authority to vote to do any of these options so i i certainly I, i know it's been motioned and seconded and i would certainly support this but i think it's really important to know what is our authority what is not our authority there's plenty of gray i get that but To me, this feels like it's 100% not our authority unless we're spending an extra million dollars a year or something. So thank you.
0: Um, Member McLaughlin.
7: I'm gonna motion to the previous question please for the motion that's on the floor. Um, and then also just to add that it has budgetary ramifications among others mm-hmm. and then policy related to it and transportation. So um, we can have a policy conversation, you know, in subcommittee or refer that aspect or question to subcommittee if we want to, but I would uh, motion to previous question for Miss um, Mustone's, Member Mustone's uh, motion to move this forward. And the second that we have on the floor, please.
0: Thank you. If, if I may ask just one more question, Mr. Texera, did did we or the finance team work on transportation costs for this plan?
1: So um, we're in the middle of that (laughs) um, before the um, buildings were closed. And it is because the Columbus and the McGlynn are actually closer to each other geographically, um, we, we think with our current addresses, there are four students who reside in the Brooks neighborhood and they were looking into whether or not they could get a seat on a regular school bus or if we would still need one of the vans. Um, and I don't have that answer for you um, right now. Also, with those four students, I don't know who is going to exit from the program at the end of the year. So that's, that was four back in the end of February, but that number may be one, two, or zero. Um, and then also, we don't know if we would have new students move into the Brooks neighborhood. Um, but that was the the one area that um, may require special transportation.
0: Okay, so your recommendation, what's best for the families is the split plan between the Columbus and the McGlynn. And then we're assuming that there also will be a cost savings because... Brooks.
1: There would definitely be a cost savings of $23,000 because we wouldn't need the two vans. Uh, We may need to keep one. If we can eliminate that second van and do it all through our regular bus routes, that would save another $23,000.
0: Okay, so double win. So motion on the floor by member Mastone, seconded by member McLaughlin. All those in favor?
3: I think we should do a roll
0: call. Oh, oh, Motion for, uh, yep, call for a roll by Member
3: Vanderclute. Um, Member Graham? Yes. Um, Member Kretz? Yes. Uh, Member McLaughlin? Yes. Member Mastone? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Member Rousseau? yeah. Member Vandercloot, Yes. Um, Mayor Longo Kern?
0: Yes, seven, the affirmative zero in the negative um, motion passes
9: there.
0: Member Rousseau.
9: I'd like to make a motion that the administration provide a report. I hate the word report, <laughs> um, a statement on whether or not they're planning to discuss redistricting this entire system, including programmatic changes.
0: So just an answer to that question.
9: Yeah, I, I, I don't expect them to know the answer off the top of their heads, but I would like to know, is that actually on the table? And what does that mean when it's on the table? Oh,
3: could I could I ask you to repeat that?
9: Sure, the motion is that the, the administration will provide an answer to whether or not we are uh, looking at redistricting to-
5: Remember,
9: that, remember
0: so maybe a motion for June 4th meeting since it's not on the agenda. I don't know how you are you relating it to the prior vote
9: well i mean certainly related to this vote we just took in my opinion Uh, i can certainly just add it to the agenda
3: um member vanderclute i i have very serious concerns that we would take that up right now um Mm. we're in the middle of a pandemic there are so many issues that we have to to figure out um between now and in September. It doesn't make any sense at all right now to tr- add that into the mix. That I, is a very complicated question.
9: Member, I agree. It was a problem that should have been addressed five to 10 years ago, um, and I wasn't on the committee then. So um, I mean, w- if we were to move this program to the Roberts, they would have had 210 more kids than the Columbus. This is not a problem that can wait. When's a good time to do something that is this politically unattractive?
3: Not in the middle of a pandemic.
9: Not in an election year, which is every other year. So, I mean, I'll just, I'll I'll withdraw my motion and put it on the agenda. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, Okay. So on to new old. Is there any old business? No. Um, Okay. No. Communications. Are there any other communications? Nope. And number 10, new, new business. Number one, be it resolved that the summer break for the school committee shall be canceled for July and August. The committee shall meet at least one time each month, but more if needed to ensure a smooth open, opening in September. Offered by member Rousseau. Seconded by member Graham. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Seven in the affirm, zero in the negative. Yep. I'm in favor. Yep, I just have
4: one question, or I just wanted to, you know, mention that I, um, I continue to work my, um, I work 12 months out of the year. So um, Uh, the meetings would have to be, you know, the typical four o'clock, the earliest time that I could meet. I just wanted to mention that. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Mm Member Kratz. Before and after school leadership team use this period of school closure to conduct a comparative analysis of local after school operations and rates and a recommendation for rates for the 2020-2021 for the school year. Further be it resolved that the team presents a report to the school committee that includes a detailed review of revenue and expenses across the program.
5: Oh.
9: I believe- Mayor? Mayor has frozen, let me message her.
5: <laughs> oh.
9: Um, until she gets back on, I will read this actual motion since I'm in a chair, unless she interposes. Okay, I'll just read this after I finish chewing my candy, sir. Sure. Um, um, so number the uh, the motion is be resolved that the before and after school leadership. Can you know. Yes. Oh,
0: You're okay. back. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I Paul, I don't know what happened. My
17: eyes something happened. I have no idea.
0: Can you hear, are you on Mia? You okay? Okay, can you hear, if not, I'm sorry, I'll log out and log back in if this doesn't work now. Um, Be it resolved the method before and after school leadership team uses period of school closure to conduct a comparative analysis of local after school options and rates in a recommendation for rates for the 2020-2021 school year. Further be it resolved that the team presents a report to the school committee that includes a detailed review of revenue and expenses across the program. Be it also resolved that the team implement options to modernize the enrollment processes and remove in-person requirements. Be it also resolved that the report will provide our operational contingency plans for the next school year that outline what services can be provided under a variety of scenarios. The team will provide a comprehensive report before and after school master plan for 2020-2021 school year to the school committee no later than june 1st so that rates can be set for next year offered by member graham member member graham's Um, motion and then member Kloot
6: yeah um i just wanted to say that i wrote this motion what feels like a few hundred years ago now and um i'm really flexible on the june 1st date i just know that um we do have to execute on these plans. So, um, I don't know what the, I'm open superintendent to the right date here, but I would like to see us really think strategically about this program. Um, I think we've already heard that we have financial concerns in the, in all of our revolving accounts. Um, we want to sort of make that whole process less opaque. And I feel like, um, we have staff um, currently employed through this school closure, who probably have time that they would never have otherwise had to deal with something like this.
5: Mm-hmm. We're um, also working with
8: Miss um, Megan Fiddler Carey. She's going to be um, collaborating with the administrative team. So we can also have her involved in um, attending the roundtables to be part of those discussions as well. So it definitely is on our radar, and we're working um, hard at. Trying to come up with some plans.
0: Thank you, Dr. Edwin Vincent. We have Member Van de Kloot, then Member McLaughlin, then Member Kretz.
3: So um, I believe that this falls under our new ad hoc policy request, and I'm supportive of it. Um, in keeping with the policy, my understanding is that we would uh, vote to d- to determine. Um, that the school committee wishes to move it forward to the superintendent. And then the superintendent at our next regularly scheduled meeting would uh, let us know when when the expectation is that they would have it uh, ready for us.
0: Member McLaughlin.
7: Uh, it was the same for me. It was a procedural question um, because we had uh, had a whole process that was discussed on how we were gonna be requesting reports
0: um, moving forward. Okay, member Kretz.
5: Oh, sorry,
4: getting the wrong button. Oh, no, thank you um, for the resolution, Ms. Graham. And um, I just, Paulette mentioned the question about the ad hoc request. This is the first time we've seen the new process. Um, So I was wondering, and in the future, if we're going to have these ad hoc requests, are they going to be submitted as resolutions. Um, Would it maybe say resolution slash ad hoc request or just the way it is? It's the first time that we're seeing it um, come before us. So I was just wondering um, if that was discussed in the subcommittee meeting, Um, Mr. Russo, if you if you might know the answer to that, Um, because it it says in the instructions, there was going to be a form submitted. So but I, I thought it was an ad hoc request. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. We will follow the procedure and put it on. Uh, have the superintendent review it for the next meeting and give us a date. But hopefully, we oh, can. We, get started.
3: We should vote on it. The school yeah. committee needs to vote to. Yes,
0: yes, I understand that. I just cause go make, ahead. make make. I was making a comment too that yeah. maybe we could. I think it's a great resolution myself, and yeah. I think it would be nice if we could get get it started, even if that date is not till June fifteenth or June twenty fifth that we have a report. I think it's. A, this is important information and it will help lead the way to changes we're going to make um before the next school year member mclaughlin so do we need to propose an
7: amendment to the original motion um member graham that we follow the ad hoc procedure that was laid out by the um rules and policy subcommittee at the previous meeting with regard to this report and then this is the report that we want
0: yes motion for approval as as amended um i I think
6: that's the right thing to do. Um, I'll so second have, the
3: amendment.
6: I, I think that's fine. I assumed that something like this was more of a plan than an ad hoc report, So, um, but I'm totally fine with that.
0: Motion for approval by member Graham as amended by and seconded by member McLaughlin. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Aye seven in the affirmative zero in the negative the motion passes as amended number three be it resolved that the world language team provides report of language choices at the middle school for incoming sixth graders for the 2020-2021 school year the report will help establish whether our current offering of two languages is in alignment with community preferences and whether in future years the middle school language program should expand to a three language offering We don't currently know whether our language offering is in alignment with community preferences and the fifth grade survey provides a unique opportunity to proactively understand this input. The report will include target survey population, number of respondents, response rate expressed in percentage, distribution of number one choice between Spanish and Italian expressed in percentage where the sum tallies 100% of respondents, distribution of number one choice with French when French is ex- included, expressed in percentage, where the sum tallies 100% of respondents, a weighted response where first choice equals three points, second choice equals two points, and third choice equals one point expressed as follows. French equals total points, five possible points per, per respondent. Spanish equals total points, slash five possible points per respondent. Italian equals total points, slash five possible points per respondent. The report should identify any data collection deficiencies that impact the numbers provided. Example, students do not have an option to list French as second choice. The report will be provided to the school committee by the June 15th school committee meeting. This is offered by member Jenny Graham. Member Graham, would you?
6: Sure, so um, recently a survey went out to Um, the incoming sixth grade class about language preference. Um, We talked about this in, perhaps it was our March um, 9th meeting, or perhaps it was the the very end of February, but we talked about language preference in our meeting, and we talked about using the survey that would go out anyway as a meaningful start to to sort of start to collect this data and gauge what our community thinks um, about our language offering at the middle school level. So this is really simply a um, summary of the data that's been collected by the district so that we can start to have that conversation. I know it won't be an easy move if it's a move that we feel like we should make and it probably will take multiple years, but I, I want us to start looking at that data now.
0: Thank you, Member McLaughlin.
7: Um, I think it's a a great request. I do also have procedural question about the ad hoc report request and that we follow procedure with that. So I would want to amend it that the, with the procedure being followed and then also ask um, the superintendent, you know, if the June 15th with everything else that's going on is reasonable. I'm not sure with the data having already been collected, but I'd be curious about that. And then I would also ask um, for the, and maybe this is a divided motion or uh, I'll defer to my colleagues to help me out here, but I would also ask why we are not considering other languages, especially knowing that um, you know Portuguese and um, I think it's Arabic and um, I'm not sure if it's Mandarin are the other three primary languages spoken in our district and why those were not considered as, or would not be considered as part of the conversation. So I guess one is a comment and the other is a a motion to um, amend uh, with procedural guidelines. You
6: have the motion to amend member Graham. So I believe that our ad hoc report request procedure does require us to outline a target date. Um, And so that's all that this is. The superintendent certainly needs to review that. And I picked this date because it was our last scheduled meeting at the time. So um, I'm totally flexible on on the date, but I think our procedure requires that we give a date. So that's what I did there. Um, Regarding your question about other languages, I totally agree with you. Um, However, the survey did not collect that information. So not to say we'd be making decisions based on this, but since we're taking the time to collect this data, I think this is important data to have. And French, I believe was talked about in our meeting because the French high school program doesn't have a feeder from the middle schools. And so enrollment in that program is low um, or lower than the other programs.
7: Thank you. So um, the emotion, the motion to amend for the ad hoc procedure form and and the process is um, out there for, is that okay with you, member Graham? I'm sorry, you muted. I didn't hear you. Sorry, the motion to amend to follow the ad hoc procedure that was for requesting reports um, that was put out
6: by the subcommittee. That this does follow that. I'm not sure I understand why you think it
9: doesn't.
7: Because I thought we had to submit a, a well, we're getting, I'm going to defer to the chair of the policy subcommittee to help us here.
9: Um, we, the, the policy has a format, not a form. Um, we did discuss a form actually in the meeting and felt that that super operational. And then we would have to add another two months while we figure out the wording and fonts and everything else. So we gave up on that. But um, yeah, the format does require a name of it, which I mean, that's sort of the first sentence. One or more questions to be answered, which is I believe in there very much so. Background, which is optional. The data elements, again, also optional. And then a date that it is being asked for. Those are the four elements that and that is That's it. That has to be sent um, and added to the agenda, which it has been. Um, And then the committee is only allowed to approve or not approve um, that the superintendent actually take it and determine the effort involved so that we can decide if this is, you know, if if the superintendent or her designee says this is a, you know, a couple hours of work, she actually has the option to come back with the answer or to return with the answer with the actual report. She can return with the report if it's so easy and quick that it makes no sense to waste time on the agenda. Or she can return and say that's six hours of work, that's two months of work, we can't even figure out how to do it.
7: Thank you, that's exactly what I needed, thank you. I know that we're all on that subcommittee, so I needed the clarification. So I guess the amendment is to is to add to the um, motion uh, that this is moved to the superintendent for um, the next meeting to give us feedback on the amount of uh, work or labor that would be involved in this um, before voting.
3: Mayor. Member van de Vandekloot. I just have a quick question. And I think, um, I think it's uh, Bernadette that it needs to be directed to. Um, so what I, I don't really understand is um, did the, Survey was there already a survey of parents, and um, then Bernadette, I see you shaking your head. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if there was, um, we already have the information. It just needs to be collated.
2: So I do. I do have the information. The survey is continuing. So we are on the third, the third round of trying to get data. So the, the, next, the next step is I'm probably going to have to send out a physical mailing. So the, the process of getting the data has not, been, has not been easy. So it's done through a Google form. So in terms of what data you're looking for, I can give you almost all of that data from what I have collected and what I will continue to collect. But the way that the question was asked about French, it was done so as a research question. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have two languages that are offered, the Italian and Spanish. I did not want to confuse people by making them think that it was a definite that French was offered. So I entered it as the last research question, which I asked them, if French was an option, would it be your first choice? So where you're asking for the identification of a first choice, second choice, third choice, that data in, in that type of an order, I'm not going to be able to give you. I am going to be able to give you how many people, how many respondents identified French as a first choice. So I think that the data is valuable. Is it as complete as it could have been if I understood what would have been asked prior to um, sending out the survey? Perhaps, but I do want to say, I, I wanted to be cognizant of of. Um, people, I didn't want people, parents, to feel like it was a definite that French was was an option. Right. So I, uh, I tried to balance that.
3: Right, and I think that you know ultimately we need to be asking not just one grade, but a far greater uh, amount of, of parents. And mm-hmm. uh, also, I think that the issue that was raised before, maybe by Jenny or, or Melanie, was that we might also want to in the long term figure out um whether there, whether there's another language which people have um, more concern about i think that this is a right now it's a good step it's a step in the right direction i think we can move the question except that i see that jenny's got her hand up
6: member graham yeah so um i just wanted to respond to bernadette's um comment about the choices. Um, one of the things that I asked for were any caveats in the data, and I believe a caveat about how the cre- the way the form was created does not allow for us to give that answer mm-hmm. um, is exactly why I identified that as something the report should outline. So mm-hmm. I, my hope is that when we do this kind of reporting in the future, we would do so so that the collation of the data is less labor intensive than this will be, um, and sort of more angled towards that kind of efficiency. But in the meantime, it is absolutely possible to do this mm-hmm. with that with any sort of data um, deficiency, deficiencies identified. I mean, this is the starting point. We're not gonna make any decisions based on it. So I still think it's worthwhile for us to do that ranking to understand that preference. Member Rousseau?
9: Thank you. And um, I believe we did the foreign language budget prior to losing the funding from um, the Italian consulate. So this has budgetary consequences that we have to discuss this year before we can approve our budget. Um, You know, we, we either will spend a whole heck of a lot more money for Italian at the elementary school or we won't. And those are the only two options because the money went away. So I think having enough information to understand whether or not we should spend a whole heck of a lot more money at the elementary school for Italian or not, does depend on, it. for me, it should never depend on just because we've always been doing it. That's like the worst ex- answer, I, I can't hear that answer. Um, because we have to find the money, if we continue it, um, we, we need this information. Um, so um this to me doesn't seem optional and you know i realized that because that part of the budget happened before we actually found out the money disappeared um i don't blame anybody for not having it but um i think it would be behooves us to have this information um before we approve any budget
0: let's uh, motion to call the question motion yes by move the question move the question by member Van de Kloot, second by member Graham. yeah okay. uh, McLaughlin. all those in favor aye, aye. Can, we, can we
3: restate the motion um just before we well i think uh i think that um it's the motion that jenny laid out
0: correct correct and you amended it member mclaughlin to um get the super, superintendents feedback so we yes, will yes, do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Motion for approval by member Van de Kloot. Seconded by member McLaughlin. All those in favor? Aye. Let's have it. Okay. We have um, four resolutions. I'll read um, before we take a moment of silence. A school Committee Resolution: Be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of Louise Benedetto, mother-in-law of former School Committee member Aaron Benedetto. Be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of William E. Bruce, grandfather of Penny Bruce of Team Medford. Be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of Margaret Elizabeth Buckley, cousin of former Columbus Elementary School principal Joan Yeager. And also be it resolved that the Medford School Committee express its sincere condolences to the family of Carl Houlton, stepfather of former school committee member Sharon If We all may take a moment of silence. Thank you. Before we adjourn, we have number 11 negotiations and legal matters, potentially an executive session to discuss collective bargaining, union contracts, non-union contracts. Dr. Edward Vincent, I don't know if we have anything to, to move into executive session or if we're gonna do that in June
8: 4th. Yeah, we need to move it to the June 4th because we're still gathering uh, additional data. We don't have enough information to present. Okay.
0: That being said, I believe that is the last matter on our agenda. I don't know if there's a. No, we there have I'm our motion, and if we have behavioral health committee meeting, member McLaughlin on Thursday. Which is at what time? Four o'clock. Yes, four o'clock, o'clock this Thursday, the twenty-first, and then we have a school committee roundtable, four to five thirty on May twenty-seventh, which is Wednesday, and we'll, I, mean, I think we have a couple of things else and to schedule, and then our regular our next budget hearing is um, June first Monday first Monday June first at four p.m. And our next regularly scheduled school committee meeting is also Monday, June 1st at 5 30 PM motion to adjourn by member Russo seconded by Second. member Graham, all those in favor. Have a good rest of the week, everybody. Thank you.
5: Bye.